0: Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. burn. Hey, what's up? It's Dan Canner, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast.
1: Welcome to Mel Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode 162, which we're just dubbing Metal Tales. This is kind of a double dose of Metal Tales. Uh, Clint did one, I did one. We're going to combine them for the entire episode to give you a ton of content on some show reviews, and we hope you enjoy it.
2: Yeah, if you don't know what that is, Metal Tales from the Road is a series we started a couple years ago where if you are a patron of the show, you can come on the show as a guest and tell us all about... At the time that we started Metal Tales, it was really about the current tour that was happening, the World Wired right. Arena Tour in North America. Now that everything's kind of shut down a little bit. We're doing these for past shows. So I talked to Richard Goldenson about the uh, Bay Area uh, benefit show that they did for the, the California Fire Wildfires. You talked to our buddy Gene Froman about Woodstock 99. So I did, yeah. You guys are going to hear all about those experiences, the set list, their Metallica stories, and we're going to hopefully ramp these up in the weeks to come. These are normally bonus episodes, right? But... Uh, we figured that we would just put these two together, do a little bit of housekeeping, keep you guys updated on some of the Metallica news. Uh, tomorrow, I'm excited because we are talking to our buddy Tom Quee from Across the Pond. That's right, a little crossover episode. And we'll be doing... Uh, Tom's idea was to just sort of talk in general about doing Metallica podcasts, which I think is yeah. interesting because his his arc is basically over of basically running down every Metallica song alphabetically. It's yes. but So now he's just doing more general stuff. And I want to have all the other Metallica podcast people on in the next few months. Absolutely. Just to talk about the experience of doing the podcast. Because I think everyone's a couple years deep now.
1: At this point, yeah. We all are, for sure. I mean, we're in our fourth year. And, uh, you know, a lot of these only started, you know, within, got six months to a year after after ours. So I think
2: they were all active within six months of each other.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun to talk to Tom about that whole experience. And, uh, you know, just, you know, gaining friendships through it. And then the Metallica family and stuff like that. And it would be curious to hear his take, uh, you know doing what we do as well,
2: but over in England. And we're also going to be talking about Reload and St. Anger, because he hates Reload and loves St. Anger. (laughs) I love Reload almost as much as my own daughter, and I don't really like St. Anger very much. So, I think think he's going to be outnumbered, Clint. (laughs) Yeah. We're definitely (laughs) a little more aligned. So before we get into these Metal Tales uh, episodes, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. There's some news. The boys came out with the official postponement dates. Now, I'm going to read this statement they put out for South America, and then we'll talk a little bit about that. So they said, we're we're back with more information about the rescheduled shows in South America. As we told you a few days ago, we're all putting safety first, self-isolating, and socially distancing. As we are again today, I want to remind everybody that Ethan and I, though we live in the same town and are currently jobless— We're still doing this remotely because we believe in the social distancing, we're self-isolating, we're taking it very seriously, and we hope you all are as well. Exactly. Uh, Metallica says they're self-isolating and socially distancing, but are also looking forward and excited that we'll still be able to visit our friends in South America later this year. Greta Van Fleet will be joining us, and while all the cities are the same, a few of the venues have changed. All the dates and venues are below. Hold on to your tickets for the originally scheduled April dates and check out the ticketing services for the shows you plan to attend for additional details or for refund information if you're unable to hang with us in December. So someone was asking asking us if, if people are getting refunds, mm-hmm. and I think you have to just go to the individual ticketing service used for whichever show.
1: Right, yeah, and this is also a good point in their statement saying that some of the venues have changed. This just kind of goes to show, and also, too, that it's in December, a lot that goes into having to reschedule even just six shows. Yeah, they couldn't keep the venue. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, let's just do it in September whenever we want to. It's like there's so many things to reconsider that hap- also happen at those venues, especially in South America with how big soccer is down there.
2: You guys have to go look at the relevant dates, but it's basically the first couple of weeks, uh, three weeks of, of December spread out. Um, says we wish you your friends and families and the extended Metallica family around the world the very best during these difficult times stay home stay safe we'll catch you in December so the good news is they didn't just cancel the dates they postponed them and uh, they're already booked for December so go check that out if you were excited about those South America shows something really cool that they're doing is this thing that they're calling Metallica Mondays free weekly concert streaming series it says while we're all doing our part and staying home we find ourselves missing live music so how about we dive back into a few of our favorite shows at a socially reasonable distance Let's stay connected and virtually visit a few of our favorite places in the world together as we bring a series of live Metallica shows to your couch. Now, I watched the one Monday. It was the Slain Castle, right? Yeah, and it's like a multi-camera shot. It's basically a concert film. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like watching something that actually produced, like, put out as a DVD, right? But it is a multi-camera shot thing, and the audio is great. I know that the uh, whoever the web people are over the official Metallica world, they're doing an awesome job cranking that out. I think one of the awesome. guys one of the guys said that like dubbing it took forever and which I, I I understand. I do that when we when we do the video for our episodes and other stuff. Getting the dubbing right and getting the editing right can be a real pain.
1: It can be very tedious for sure, but we're thankful that they're taking the time to do that for all these fans.
2: It says, tune in for free on Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central to catch a complete Metallica show from the archives on our YouTube channel and Facebook page. Don't worry if you can't catch it live. The show will be available on demand for an entire week. So it, it basically loops for a week. Right. That's pretty awesome. It says, while streaming's free, we'll be hosting simultaneous fundraisers on each platform, benefiting All Within My Hands. Your donation will help address food insecurities and medical supply shortages during the current COVID-19 crisis, as All Within My Hands is working with partners at Feeding America and Direct Relief. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to get notified when our weekly concerts begin. Special thanks to our friends at Nugs.net for helping us make (laughs) this happen. I always feel like Nugs.net, like Dave Mustaine must have named that.
1: That, or it it just sounds like real porny.
2: We'll call it Nugs. (laughs) <laughs>
1: hey have you been at nugs.net
3: well i was hanging out with psychotron and we we're trying to come up with what to call this website do you need a cash advance now <laughs> call nugs.net
2: <laughs> i do oh my god dave on like a late night like shopping network <laughs> yeah. home shopping this mop is actually six different kinds of mops. <laughs> are,
1: you, are you experiencing symptoms from misothemiola? <laughs> Go to nugs.net now.
2: Side effects may include nausea, diarrhea, headaches, and death, but we recommend taking this with a six sided mop at nugs.
1: Contact nugs.net before you hit the high speed dirt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Check out on demand streaming on nugs.net. Get access to over 600. Why are we saying this? They don't pay us to say this. Fuck nugs.net. <laughs> Go check out that, uh, the Monday night thing. And you know, it'd be fun if you and I both watched it maybe tomorrow night or dipped in on it and we could probably just review it or talk about it. I wish we could do it together. Maybe we can find a way to watch it together and sort of do some running commentary together. We'll try to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, number three, and in the news, James and Kirk are featured in a Mesa Boogie video that sort of celebrates a hundred years of Mesa Boogie, whatever it is. And uh, it's just them talking about their first experiences with the amp. We're going to play that clip for you right now.
4: I remember at one point seeing my first boogie and seeing, like, you know, the kind of basket weave front and thinking, wait a second, this is a small amp. It looks much bigger, or I had a, a, a vision of it being much bigger in my mind. I remember plugging into it the first time and like hearing how loud it was and how full it was, and I'm thinking, wow.
5: Everyone was after, and especially me, was after that ultimate crunch sound, Uh, percussive, tight, and in your face. Um, And there weren't many options back then, you know, you'd have your Marshalls, and if you had the money, you could get them modded and all of that crazy stuff, or you had a, a distortion pedal, and that was kind of the way you'd get get that crunch. Someone said, "Hey, you ought to check out Boogie; they're just up the road, you know, local." So went up there and uh, met Randy, met everyone up there, and they they plugged me into uh, yeah Mark II C plus, and uh, instantly. Knew that it was what we were. I was looking for it was closer than any other thing. I guess the first first experiences were, you know, we're just just searching for the be- searching for something better and continue to do that. And you know, I, I know Randy <laughs> is certainly that kind of guy. You know, always searching for the next, you know, betterment of what he's done before.
2: That was pretty cool. You know, it's cool hearing the, hearing James talk about. Searching for that tone and hearing that boogie for the first time was a big aha moment for him. Mm-hmm. All right. And then lastly, we got a, a nice message from Lars from his, it looks like his like rehearsal area.
1: Yeah, I think it's like his his home, you know, jam room or whatever. He's, he's got one of, the, one of the many orange kits set up in there, I noticed. Yep.
2: And uh, we'll hear that clip right now, but it's it's a nice uplifting message from Lars. So let's hear that real quick.
0: How are you? Uh, it's Saturday in San Francisco. It's Saturday. I don't know what it is where you are, but uh, just a little uh, hey and what up from the jam room. Uh, I've been rocking out. <laughs> at some point, there will be a Metallica gig and I'm fucking ready. I am ready. Rocking out, hitting a little Death Magnetic, a little Broken Beaten Scarred, a little Cyanide, little at the end of the line, last half hour. And um, I just wanted to say a quick, uh, hey and what's up. Um, There's been a lot of you who have been very uh, kind and uh, nice to reach out in many different ways uh, and wondering uh, how I'm doing. So I just want you to know that um, as you can see here, I'm um, sweaty and uh, rocking along, and doing well under the circumstances of, to be honest with you, I've been a little, uh, just like I'm sure you guys have, uh, a little all over the place uh, in the last couple weeks, um, not really knowing what's up, down, or sideways. And uh, as a lot of people have been asking me to say hey, and don't forget to wash your hands, and all the rest of that stuff, um, I've been kind of just trying to figure out What the fuck, to be honest with you. Um, And so uh, I guess I've been a little under the radar, but here I am now. And I just wanted you to know that um, I'm fine. My gang is fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, We're hungered down in San Francisco. Uh, Today's actually day 14 of our uh, self-isolation. And um, we're all doing fine. I hope all of you are doing fine uh, wherever you are on this beautiful planet in this crazy moment. But I'm sending you lots of love uh, here from San Francisco. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, There's some new dates up on Metallica.com. We are coming your way, South America. Uh, We have some festivals in the fall. We have All Within uh, My Hands show, a few other things. Uh, We're coming your way with our Metallica Mondays thing. Uh, trying to dig up some cool shows. Duder, just thing trying to dig up some cool shows and, uh, we are doing what we can, uh, to stay engaged. Um, and I just want you to know that I appreciate all the cool comments and all the love, uh, that's been not just coming my way, but, um, everybody Metallica's way. And, uh, I know you guys aren't used to me being uh, fully off the radar. And, and listen, to be honest with you, I, I don't know what the cool thing, the right thing, the, the respectful thing, I you know. Is there some sort of uh, silly uh, no fuck around video? Uh, it's probably best to leave that alone. Obviously, this is a very serious time. And a lot of us, uh, like I said, are, are just trying to figure out, uh, you know, how we can be the best on behalf of our families and on behalf of what we do and how we connect and like i said it's been pretty perplexing as i know uh, it's been for most of you guys but um thank you for asking metallica is doing well and um that's really it uh i don't know what else to say other than i hear you i see you i feel you and um we connect And uh, I'll stay in touch a little more often. I I promise I won't uh, disappear like I have for the last couple weeks. Uh, So thanks again for all the love, and um, I'll see you out there not fucking soon enough. Thank you very much.
2: It's nice hearing that he's jamming on some death magnetic material. I know, broken, beaten, scarred. Come on, what are you doing, Lars? I think he said into the line also in cyanide. So Prepping for December? Prepping for December, maybe. I I wrote back. I'm sure he saw it amongst his millions of replies. He probably did. (laughs) I did write, hey, it'd it'd be nice to see Judas Kiss in a rotating death magnetic slot.
1: That would be cool. Judas Kiss is a banger, man.
2: And that's pretty much it for the news. Everyone's kind of laying low and chilling out, and we understand that. So uh, let's get through the rest of this housekeeping, and then we'll hear from the metal tales. Let's do it. You can go leave us a positive review on iTunes if you like the show. It's the easiest way to support the show or to tell tell your uh, other Metallica nerdy friends about it. Uh, maybe you can write about it on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and share a link. But uh, leaving the review really goes a long way. It lets people know that the show's good. And then, of course, the Patreon, where you can support us financially. We give you a bunch of stuff over there, including the Metal Tales access. So you'll hear a commercial for it later. dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And uh, we've got three new patrons,
4: Sasha Brinkman, Mike Garcia, and Simply Byron. By- Simply Byron. Please, please. Please, it is I, Simply Byron.
1: When you contact Nugs.net, ask for Simply Byron.
4: <laughs> well, it pleases me muchly to partner with one David Mustaine Esquire Sr. on Nugs.net. Yes, it does. Yes, of course. We line through the portals of our mortal coils. <laughs> and we end our lives as mortals. Dareth you say it, moles? Don't I doth thine moleskin? <laughs> doth I shed my moleskin? Yes, please. Your daughter's
1: in the other room so confused right now. What happened to
2: daddy? They went on like a nature thing today, so I can scream in a, in a um, medieval accent about moles right now.
1: Oh, nice, nice.
2: Uh, go follow us on all the socials, blah, blah, blah. Blah? Now, here's what I do want to say about the socials is over on the Patreon, another thing that we've started doing is a thing called Quarantine Covers where we are letting our patrons tell us what songs to cover. It can be Metallica, but it can also not be Metallica.
1: I've actually, going through the list of uh, suggestions last week before I chose mine, which would be coming out here in the next day or two, the Metallica ones are great, I mean, but we've done a lot of those. I'm way more drawn to all the other suggestions. Oh,
2: me too. Someone said on Instagram, because <clears throat> I shared, I'm going to be playing mine on this episode in between the Metal Tales that we do. And I played a little bit of mine on Instagram, and someone was like, you guys should do more Metallica covers. And I was like, well, we've already done like 30 of those. <laughs> we've done a few. I mean, we've done a lot. And we're going to we, de- cover our black and the next volume is going to be all Metallica again.
1: Yeah, it absolutely will. And and you know what? It's just fun, to, uh, not only for us to cover something that's not Metallica, but also really fun for us to see what suggestions people have. Kind of helps us gauge maybe what kind of other music people are into besides Metallica. Totally.
2: I, you know, I had a lot of fun with mine. I can't wait to hear yours. And we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna be each doing one a week. So that's gonna yeah. be two, two new songs a week over there on Patreon. Just another reason to get involved. Speaking of cover, our world blackened on our Bandcamp page. You can now stream or buy all of our records. Everything. So, uh, what, what's the website for that? Ethan? is it bandcamp.com? What is it?
1: It's a Podcast dot Boom, there it is. Boom
2: shakalaka. Ethan has another uh, podcast called The Pirate Satellite where he interviews a bunch of interesting people, myself included. It's
1: true. You unboxed the Freddy Krueger toy. He
2: also interviewed like Paul Moak and and Matthew Mayfield and wonderful podcasts over there. And uh, I've got another podcast with my friend Bob Schneider called I'm OK, You're OK, I'm not OK, You're not OK. And we are now doing two episodes a week. So we're cranking out a bunch of shit over there, too. Crank it, man. Now, we get emails all the time. We love hearing from the Metal Up Your Podcast family. We're going to read five of them now and what we love and they refer to as the email
4: portal. All
1: right. Our first email is from
4: Simply Greg <laughs> The sim- battle of the simples Yes yes we'll put Simply Byron over here yes and over here we'll put Simply Greg unleash the leopards only one maybe left standing yes <laughs> dude speaking
2: of the leopards have you watched this tiger king show
4: no literally the only other
1: thing i feel like on social media that i read besides about coronavirus is about this tiger
2: king show no show has ever benefited from coronavirus more than tiger no king. joke i've heard i mean i've heard it's just absolutely bonkers let me just tell you what it's about i watched the trailer so i got a general idea The dude owns about 157 what they refer to as big cats, which are basically lions and tigers. He owns 157 of them.
1: Seems like a necessary amount.
2: He's a Billy Ray Cyrus looking insane redneck who is gay and who is a polygamist. He has more than one husband. Wow. And that's honestly... Not even what's crazy about the show.
1: <laughs> That's the normal part.
2: That's really before it gets crazy.
1: I'm, I'm going to watch it. My wife has been, uh, you know, told by a few of her friends to watch it. And obviously, you know, her main concern is like, I just don't want to see any animal cruelty in this thing. And people are like, it's so not, it's, it's a whole nother thing, whole nother
2: beast. It's not about animal cruelty, but there is some strange animal stuff in it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I told her I would. I would watch the first few episodes, and, and you know, she doesn't do well with that kind of stuff, which understandably. I'm so, with you, but, Yeah. But anyways, simply Greg says, "Hi guys, great to hear from you. Fam- great to hear you and your families are well. Thank you for another episode. It's a nice escape from all the dread on the news today. I was at the wedding band show in South Carolina, as well as the bottle signing with Kirk and Rob." Me and my friend Mark went old school. The signing was at 3 p.m. on a Friday. We got there at 11.30 p.m. the night before. That's commitment for a bottle signing, by the way. Uh, Stayed up all night. A nice throwback to the days of camping out for tickets.
2: I miss that. Did you ever do that? Did you ever camp out for tickets?
1: Uh, I don't know if I actually ever camped out, but I definitely got there at the crack of dawn at Tower Records in Orange County, California for certain shows.
2: Yeah, I miss that, too. I really do miss that part of what it used to be like to get music.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean... I feel like maybe they should go back to that at a certain point. I mean, who knows? With whatever happens with our economy, maybe they'll have to go. Maybe maybe Tower Records start opening back up again.
2: Wow, I mean, just a total like uh, regression back to the nineties the yeah. way of doing <laughs> things. That would be great for me.
1: Yeah, the nineties with Instagram. On Saturday, he says on Saturday was a black tie event at the Columbia Museum where Kirk displayed his "It's a Live Horror" collection. It was a great night. Kirk came up and played uh, with the cover band, played "Too Hot to Handle" from UFO. Sunday night was the wedding band, which was incredible. Great set list. Of course, the wah-off was fun with Mrs. Smith. Uh, Mrs. Smith is a great guitarist, but obviously Kirk being Kirk, he didn't dig dig too deep into his guitar theory with his soloing. Uh, It was more of them having fun, and Kirk showed a little modesty. But it was a great time, but what a difference a week can make. We were lucky to, uh, to see it. Uh, with what was to become uh, with the coronavirus. Stay safe, guys, and your families. Till next time, Metallica family.
2: Nice. Thanks, Greg. Samuel M. writes in, who's a patron. He says, hey, brothers, just wanted to send a quick note to thank you as usual for all the great work you're doing. It's a weird time. Uh, In this weird time, it's nice to have something to listen to that's not totally obsessed with coronavirus. Diving into Metallica is a great way to stay sane. Also wanted to put myself forward for a Metal Tales. I was going to be going to every Australian show But that obviously didn't happen, so my only show I can talk about is the one I've been to, November 10th, 2010 in Sydney. I think that qualifies as a random-ass show in South Dakota. (laughs) Uh, That Australian leg of Death Magnetic had some pretty wild stuff, so I think there's a good bit there to talk about as well as that show. I know you've got a whole lot of people lined up, but if I can get on the list, I'd be honored. Thanks, Sam. Well, you're definitely on the list, Sam. It's that easy.
1: I would love to actually chat with Sam on that one, since I went to one of the Australian shows on that same leg. Well, I'll get you put together with Sam. Hi, mate. Maybe you can put me, deal with me, mate, Sam. We can talk about the, I, I went to the Brizzy show. He went to the Sydney show down there in Oz.
3: Oh, Sam, I can't carry the ring, Sam. It's too heavy, Sam. <laughs> oh, Sam.
2: <laughs> Frodo Baggins is the whiniest little bitch in all of literary history. He, he's a real whiny
4: Gandalf, but I don't want to take the true ring, Sam. Oh, Sam, it's too my heavy. Precious, Sam.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's Dave Mustaine hanging out. That's Dave Mustaine's voice pitched up. That's you trying to take like Dave Mustaine's Dean pointy guitar. My
3: precious, <laughs> let go of my precious. Oh, Sam, <laughs> I don't know if it's countdown to extinction. Or Rust in peace on my favorite Megadeth <laughs> records, sam I do not
1: I d I don't I don't have the will to listen to any of them to
3: decide for myself. Oh Sam, though true ring's so heavy, Sam, I can't carry it. <laughs> nice story. <laughs> nice story. <laughs> tell it to Bilbo Baggins. Tell it to Sauron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell it to Sa- <laughs> Tell
3: it to Samwise.
2: Tell it to Antworth in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that Day of Mustaine doesn't have some sort of uh, fantasy-themed Lord of the Rings album. That would be amazing. I'd listen to that. Anyway, you're in there, Sam. I'll get you hooked up with Ethan. Thanks for the email. Yeah, he
1: knows me. He can hook you up. I do know him. Uh, our next email is from Bill
4: Knight. Sir Bill Knight. Simply Byron must conjugate us with Bill Knight. Bill the Knighted Knight. His email
1: reads thus forth. Please. <laughs> he says, dear metal up. Hope all is well with you guys and everything with everything that's going on in the world. I was wondering if you had any websites or YouTube pages that you guys frequent or know that's a really good. It's really good for learning how to sing. I looked it up on YouTube. and There's absolutely thousands and thousands of videos and just made my head spin a little bit. I used to play b- b- guitar, but after a motorcycle accident, I broke my left hand. So playing some chords is damn near impossible. Man, that's a bummer. Uh, I, I have time to practice singing. I've always wanted to try it. Uh, so my so any advice or direction would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for all you guys do and the hundreds of hours of enjoyable listening about the best band in the world. Stay safe out there. Bill at night. Uh, I actually replied to Bill. It wasn't very helpful because <clears throat> I'm not sure about you, Clint, but I've never ever properly been taught to sing or trained or whatever. I just, it just kind of came naturally uh, as a part of the progression of being a touring musician and necessity. and I had to sing backups. It started with maybe just gang vocals and Eventually, I learned how to control my voice a little bit with pitch. I'm still not a great singer by any means, but I told him, you know, it might be worth just trying to get through some of those videos, find something that maybe speaks to you that you feel comfortable
2: with, and start from there. But well, I was just flattered that anyone's asking us tips on how to sing. I'm like, wow, yeah, because I still would describe myself as not being able to sing. So,
1: what did someone describe your voice on YouTube as one time? Like a Uh,
2: like like an effete ghost.
4: (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes, pleases me to be an effete ghost
4: mm, I'm clickety clacking my way through the internet Yes, strong I am Keyboard warrior I am Yes, what shall I call this man Who put himself out into the world By being creative when I couldn't How shall I try to How do I say Cut him down, yes I believe I will call his voice That of an effete ghost You guys want to hear a new
1: song? <laughs> this is for next record It's called a feet ghost
2: He was like It was just the popsicle word of the day or his fucking toilet yeah. paper word of the day, and he's like, "I want to use this in a sentence in a mean way to insult someone I've never met. How can I do that?" Because he said my version of fixer of my voice was pretentious and sounded like an effete ghost. Yeah, it's like, total, totally. Which, by the way, by the way, fair enough, fair enough. However, it's just the way it sounds when I open my mouth and sing. So it's not pretentious. I am not singing in a way that I can't sing.
1: It's not like you're doing what a lot of like like young guys did like in the late nineties, early two thousands, and like fake the pop punk voice, like, well, yeah, oh oh yeah, yeah, high speed dirt." <laughs>
2: psychotron oh yeah fixer yeah tonight yeah tonight well i i I think in terms of singing i mean there's probably definitely better people that you could talk to um who could teach you, I mean, there's a lot of technique that I know about in, in terms of breathing and your diaphragm, your head voice versus your chest voice, mm-hmm. opening your throat up, there are exercises you can do, and then there's yeah. definitely things you can do to work on range. So Smoke a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> if you want to get that Phoebe buffet, smell, smell, sexy, smelly cat voice. Yeah. But Inhale like, cigars. <laughs> but like, I know James, you know, he warms up to a vocal tape that he, I think the same one he's been using from the 90s, and a, a lot of is, artists yeah. I've worked with have vocal exercises, but yeah. I, that's as far as I could probably get you because I, I, I'm a very DIY, just like you, Ethan. I just sing out of necessity. And I will say doing it more, make, it's a muscle that gets better. It does, yeah. Um, I remember when I first started singing like on stage in front of people, BGVs, I was terrified. And now I've been singing background vocals in every gig I've ever had. Right, yeah. And then I often and regularly sing, as you guys have heard on all of our covers and stuff. So I don't know how good I am at it, but I I I it's a tool I love having, I'll tell you that.
1: If you had to describe it as something, it'd be like a, a, an effete ghost, maybe. <laughs> but a very, very attractive one. That motherfucker.
2: Anyway. All right. <laughs> Nicholas Wybrow writes in and says, Hi, Clint Ethan. Having just jumped on Patreon a couple weeks ago, thought I'd email in. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. Started listening about two months ago. Just wanted to say I love the show. Been going through some tough times, even before the whole COVID-19 thing, and I found your podcast to be very helpful. I first jumped on the Metallica train when I was about 15 with the Load Records, which my brother owned, and quickly became obsessed with the band. Garage Inc. was the first album I bought, followed by any Metallica album or piece of merch I could get my hands on. The live shit DVD really cemented my love of the band and inspired me to pick up a guitar, which I've kept up to this day. Awesome. He says, this all culminated in me seeing them live in 2010 on the World Magnetic Tour in Australia. Oh, wow, another uh, Australian World Magnetic guy.
1: Well, put another shrimp on the bobby. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Austria, <laughs> good day, mate Oh my god, dude I love how our friend Darren <laughs> Edwards he was, like, he was judging your your Australian accent Which I believe he gave it a pretty favorable review But yeah. the only problem was You weren't saying mate enough Because they just really hammered the mate thing over there
1: Yeah, they really did, mate
2: We had an Australian tour manager briefly And he, he they really did, the mate thing is no joke They really say mate quite a lot
1: it's, it, I think it's it, as common as a lot of us Americans say Um
2: Um, 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 my, um. Maybe Lars is just always meditating when he, um, um. Um. That's his, like, mantra. Okay. He says, for some reason I drifted away from the band in the years that followed 2010, but I came back to them in a big way last year, broke my leg playing sports, and suddenly had a lot of time for listening to music. I found myself gravitating back to Metallica, especially hardwired to self-destruct, which I hadn't given a proper listen to until this point. A lot of script scrap scraping over there, bro. Everything okay?
1: <laughs> Everything cool?
2: Hey, sounded... talking, about, talking to me? Yeah. I don't know what you're hearing. A lot of noise, a lot of scraping and papers and i, I literally just flipped a paper over and set it down. That's all I did. It sounded like you have like a, a desk, like a like maybe you are like a private detective and you have a lot of cases. And, oh, then, okay. and then you, in a fit of frustration, because you haven't solved many of the cases, many, many of your cases are outstanding without being solved. Oh, right, you, yeah. you threw all the papers off your desk. That's what it sounded like.
1: Wow. Okay. I, I, <laughs> let's try this again. I, I'm going to take, I'm going to grab said piece of paper. I think it's the FaceTime audio compression. Everything's so sensitive. Let me try this again. I'm literally going to do what I just did. Okay. Oh, we're done with that page. Was that the same?
2: Yeah, it sounded like basically a tornado came back to Nashville, but instead of ripping through five points, it just went to your house, into your studio, into the your, Too soon, into the bro. microphone. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> yeah, you know the whole COVID nineteen thing really sucked out all the uh, all the tornado stuff, didn't it? No pun intended. It but really, like, it, it really did. It's just like no one's talking about the tornado. Like the tornado was so devastating no. that people would still be talking about it if coronavirus hadn't happened
1: absolutely no i mean especially when you're like when you're living five houses away from the path you know it's like every day i still literally like if i leave my house i go for a walk i i still see the destruction right by my house so it's such a strange thing to have this covid 19 thing be just plastering the news everywhere and it's like hey uh remember the tornado we had
2: right all right well nick i'm sorry i keep interrupting uh Your email here for Tangent City. Here we go. He says your podcast opened me up to how great hardwired is as an album, which is what I love most about the show. Your ability to shine a light on songs or albums that I might have missed otherwise. He says I also have a newfound appreciation for the load albums, although I have always loved them. I didn't have a ticket for the canceled tour last year, but my rekindled love for the band has ensured that I'll be buying a ticket when they announce new Australian dates. I hope you dudes are doing well considering all the craziness in the world, including the tornado. That was nice of him. Hey, there we go. He says, keep up the good work and peace. P.S. I found my way to you through Tom Quee's podcast, so shout out to him. Nick from oh, Perth. that's awesome. Perth, Western Australia, which he writes is ab- absolutely within the purview of New Jersey. New Jersey. Honey, please. Nice. Honey, please. Um. Well, hey,
1: first of all, somebody in Australia has not forgotten about the tornado. That's nice. Um. I did want to point out too, when we were uh, reading the news about the, the rescheduled South American dates, there was a little, slight sentence somewhere in there in the longer version of it that did say in Australia, like, like we haven't forgotten about
2: you. Yeah, that well, that was in their uh, their letter from the bunker when they right right. This right. is before they announced the actual dates of the postponed shows, but they announced that they were postponing, and they they for sure mentioned um, the All Within My Hands charity gig that's getting rescheduled. They mentioned that they're still on board for the California Festival in September. Mm-hmm. And they specifically mentioned Australia and New Zealand in terms of they're still thinking about them and, and want to get back over there. So Right, yeah. They're they're not going to not do it. They're not going to not do it, bro.
1: It'll just be in 2023. That's it.
2: Look, they're not going to not do it. Hey,
1: man, it's not like they're not going to not
2: do it, right? Hey, I'm kind of morphing into kind of a New York guy. Look, they're not going to not do it.
1: Hey, guy, listen, you're saying they're not going to not do it, but it ain't like they're not going to not
2: not do it. Am I saying they're going to do it? I don't know. What I'm saying is, they're not going to not
5: do it.
4: Yeah, boss. That's right, boss. Yeah, see? Yeah, no, they're not going to not do it, see? Just see? <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get a little Tommy gun, see? Yeah, maybe we'll hide in a violin case, see? Yeah, maybe we'll sneak yeah, it in, know, see? you no, never no. know. You never know, see? You better grow a pair of eyes on the back of your head, see? That's all I'm saying, see?
1: If you have a second pair of eyes on the back of your head, you see, you might actually see these Australian dates pop up, you see? Yeah, see? All right, one more email. Last email. Finally. Uh, Last email from Tim Brown, he says, do you think this quarantine could actually get us a new Metallic album quicker than we expect? I'm sure the boys are spending uh, this time separately with their families, but I wonder uh, if they're also going to use this time on tunes. Maybe Kirk's phone will make an appearance. Just some wishful thinking during my apocalypse. He <laughs> he he he. he. <laughs> uh stay safe and thanks both of you uh, for the continued support of the show. Uh, the Riff Battles questions covers record check ins. I'm sure I speak for the whole middle podcast family, and saying it has all been a welcome escape. That's another little pun you didn't you put in quotes there. Little met pun. Uh, good health to you and your family.
2: Good health to you and your families and friends. From Tim Brown.
4: Glad tidings and good health. Yes.
2: Uh, Tim Brown. If you don't remember Ethan, he is the dude who did the artwork for the last two cover our Blacken albums. I do remember this. So a super cool dude, and he's he's wanting to do some more stuff for us. And also got a text from Nick Macoviac last night, who did the first two cover of Blacken's. He just had his Same first. Here. He just had his first little kiddo, and uh, yeah, man. He's excited about doing some more stuff too. So we're, we're lucky to have met all these really talented artists out there who've helped us make our uh, EPs come to life. And
1: yeah, Nick Nick sent me a picture of his new uh, new baby as well last night. It was really cool. A little cutie uh, pie. That's got to be a, a a nice light in everything that's happening right now. Our friend Jack O'Shea and his wife just had their second. Yeah, baby. I saw
2: that Jack had a baby.
1: Yeah, yeah, like about a week ago. Um, That's got to, in in these families' lives, I'm sure that's got to be a nice light in this kind of dark world that's happening right now.
2: Well, we love you guys out there, and uh, I don't think we're going to come back here after these Metal Tales interviews and say bye. So we'll just kind of do that now. And everyone stay safe, take care of yourselves, wash your hands, protect the people in your families and your communities who are vulnerable to this thing. And uh, we're going to try to find a way out of it together. And in the meantime, Ethan and I are are dedicated to being here with you to uh, talk about our favorite metal band. That's right. Amen. All right, well let's let's kick it to the uh, metal tails, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Adios. You're really good at that.
6: Hey everyone,
1: this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon.
2: That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon.
1: For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content.
2: But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover our world black and ep
1: ticket giveaways for shows like snm2 and slayn castle
2: box sets rare vinyl metallica memorabilia like snm2 guitar picks email
1: priority meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like hailstorm Jay weinberg of slipknot and metallica Row crew your very own questions
2: and the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our metal tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past.
1: All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast.
2: We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. All right, so for this first one here, I talked to friend and patron Richard Goldenson, who went to the, uh, the Bay Area, the, the benefit show for the California Wildfires. It was a really great conversation. He, uh, he's a guitar player himself. He has several of the signature Metallica guitar models. So we talked about him getting online. He saw the band uh, in 1985 with Cliff. We talked about the different guitars, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy hearing from Richard. I enjoyed speaking with him, so without further ado... Here we are with Richard Goldenson on Metal Tales from the Road. All right, well, thank you for being accommodating with my schedule, man. Things are crazy here. My, uh, my wife went to pick up my, my niece and she's going to stay with us for about four days and they needed the yard mode. And then the, our TV broke. So I had to bring our TV from downstairs. So it's a lot going on.
7: Yeah. Things are crazy everywhere. Trust me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in that boat myself.
2: Are you guys uh, hunkered down and safe over there?
7: We are. And with my job, I have to go out regardless because I work for a big uh, utility where we inspect the vegetation around the high voltage lines so for fire protection. Wow. So I'm, I'm out in the field regardless, but luckily I get to work at home in the mornings to do like whatever spreadsheets and crap I have to do and then go out in the field and, and do whatever. And my wife's a teacher, so she's been hunkered down at home. We have a nine-year-old, so she's doing the homeschool thing, and it's it's all very interesting is probably the best term I could use. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Strange times. It is. Our school system, we're thoroughly unprepared for us to be teaching our kids. So they don't have really anything prepared for us, uh, in terms of, you know, curriculum or so we're trying
7: to figure right. that out right now. It's kind of a mess. Yeah. Our son, he, they just, um, they went and administered some sort of a packet, uh, some sort of a, um, stapled together, um, you know, he's, he's nine, so he's in third grade, but they basically went up to the door my, my wife went up to the door and they opened up the door and they basically throw the packet out at you and they're like, here you go. So there's some, it's all about their online stuff and yeah. whatever, but yeah. And my, like I said, my wife's a, she's a 10th grade math teacher. So she's dealing with her own issues. Wow. Teaching, teaching those kids and they, they haven't, <clears throat> they're doing all some sort of Google, classroom situation which hasn't been set up but she has 165 students that she has to you know manage essentially at this point wow. and her her thing is school's not closed the building is basically right. and that's so she's having to deal with that and luckily she's actually one of the technology coaches at her school and in, in the district so this is the stuff that she does on a regular basis anyway but she's having to do it at a just a bigger um, volume than she normally would or like a bigger scale
2: right well, hopefully one of the silver linings is that it's just going to sort of catapult all of us into thinking more about working from home and schooling from, you know, I think it's going to
7: be a big paradigm shift for everybody. It's going to be a something for everybody. Well, certainly. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready
2: to jump in if you are. You've heard these before, so you know the deal. I kind of, I'll, I'll yeah. sort of be your meditation guide, but it's really you taking us on the journey and uh, just kind of filling us in and pu- putting us at that show with you.
7: Yeah, well, I went back through and, and watched it again because, you know, it's been since 2017. So it's not like I watched it yesterday. Yeah. Um, I went back through and made some notes and, you know, to me, I'm I'm more of a I'm such a gear nerd. That's my thing with with Metallica, especially as I have you know a couple Metallica signature guitars. Unfortunately, not the actual ESP versions, but I have LTDS, and I and I and I love to collect that kind of stuff. And I'm always trading it and buying it if I can find it. And that's that's I'm, I'm more into that pretty much. I mean, i have I love the music. I mean, my first Metallica show was. Uh, March seventeenth of nineteen
2: eighty five. Wow! So you saw Cliff?
7: Yeah, I've been to all three. I've seen all three bases.
2: Do you have any memories of of seeing Cliff, or is it all kind of back in nineteen eighty five?
7: That was at the Moore Theater in Seattle, which is kind of like an old. I guess it's an old orchestra house, like a like an opera house. So the seats are really steep, and then there's like a pit at the bottom where they where the orchestra would have been. So the stage was at like. I was down front. I got down front really close, but at the stage was probably, I was probably at that time I was 18 or ish. So I was right around six feet tall and the stage was like right at my, I want to say like right at my breasts area. That's how tall it was. So I was down in there, and uh, I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember it being just super loud, and and Armored Saint opened for him, which is obviously Mr. Bush, you know, had involvement with Metallica later in life. But Armored Saint was great, and uh, I remember that, but I do remember being like kind of in front of one of James's monitors, and it was like I couldn't see anything. I was like kind of just stuck there, because that's where I was smooshed in there and i remember uh, just just to being loud but i remember cliff because cliff was off to the left he would have been stage left and uh, just hair flying basically he was wearing the jean jacket the whole you know his his normal thing right right and it, and, it, and it was great you know and i don't have a lot of memories i mean that's 30 plus years ago so but i, I do remember going and i do remember you know the friends that I went with, and there was a couple of us that went down in the front, and a couple of us or a couple of our friends stayed up, just kind of in the seats. They felt safer up there, but I was like, no, nah, I got to go down to the front, and and it was an experience down there. It was uh, you know, a lot of pushing and shoving in a small area, but it was it was fun. I had a really good time.
2: I've definitely been the guy that was not afraid to go up front when all my buddies were hanging back, but those days are behind me now for sure. I'm the guy hanging back now for sure. You guys go up there and get your head <laughs> fucking banged in, have a good time. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Me also. Wow! So 1985. So and then you saw him with Jason, of course. Any notable Jason era shows?
7: Was born in Northern California, but my mom moved me to Seattle when I was about uh, in about third grade. So the show I saw I saw the one at the More Theater which I believe is the same venue where the Jeremy video was filmed for Pearl Jam. Oh, really? Where he's like swinging in the rafters and stuff? I believe that's the same theater and I don't know that for sure but I believe that's the same theater. So and they still use it as far as I know.
2: You know what's funny about that? Is the ex- I know the exact moment of the video when that's happening is when he's going, "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> isn't it weird that that sticks in my head? Are you swinging in the rafters? Yeah. <laughs> so, I <laughs> oh, <laughs> so,
7: yeah.
2: it's going to be in everyone's head now.
7: <laughs> and I I, I, I don't know for sure, but I believe that's the same the same venue. I did not see Pro Jam there, but um, I believe that's the same venue. So the second show I saw would have been was at the Seattle Center amp, or the Seattle Center Arena, which is like a slightly larger venue. It's like where the uh, Sonics used to play, the you know, Supersonics used to play. Okay. So it was a little bigger, and that would have been in 86, I want to say December of 86.
2: So right after Jason joined. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's
8: nuts, I don't remember,
7: I don't remember much about that show. I, I know I went, and I remember uh, um, driving. I had a buddy had this little crappy little Ford Courier truck with the camper shell on the back, and there were so many of us that we all had to like pile in the back of the truck parked somewhere Lord knows where in Seattle and then hiked over to the, to the arena. And I had that ticket stub forever. I had it in my wallet and finally laminated it. And I I had it for years and years and finally lost it. I don't know when probably 15 years ago, <laughs> but um, I, that show was, was amazing. They did like three, I want to say three encores and I couldn't give you all the songs.
2: Yeah. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. They did three, uh, four horsemen, guitar solo, Am I evil them Dam- damage Inc., Then I guess they came out and did fight fire. Then they came back out and did blitzkrieg.
7: Yeah, the the crowd was was just insane. It was I don't know what the vibe was for that particular show. I think the weather was amazing. It was just like one of those, everything came together and it was it was uh, yeah, it was a good show. I don't remember I don't remember much about it, but it was a great show.
2: Do you remember any feelings of like wow, last year they had this other bass player, but he died in an accident?
7: I don't think I really comprehended the fact that that um, and I have a. I have a poster right here of Cliff with the the, the skull rings on my, in my in my I'm in my my man cave right now. It's yeah. about a three and a half foot by two and a half foot canvas or like nylon. He's right over here to my right, and I don't think I really comprehended it that much for whatever reason back then. Later I did, right. after I, I you know I bought. The newer albums, I'm like, wait, that's not the same basis. So I didn't. I don't think I comprehended it too much at that point.
2: Yeah, I think that was a lot of people. A lot of people was like, oh, Metallica, Lars and James. But then there were people right. who were kind of giving Jason shit and kind of had their arms
7: crossed about it, you know? <laughs> right. I wasn't necessarily in that group. I just I don't think I really I don't think I really comprehended or forgot or didn't didn't have the information in my brain that 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 was the case. But I remember being a really good show. I remember being really long. And I remember doing all the encores. Those those are the things that stick in my head.
2: So, were you at the Seattle '89 show?
7: No, I moved from. I graduated um, from high school in '85 in Seattle and moved into North, back to Northern California. So, I haven't I, the show I went to after that was 2017 uh, Band Together show.
2: Whoa, okay.
7: So, I took a little gap there, a little gap. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's about twenty years.
7: Yeah, or a little more.
2: <laughs> so, what was going on in that time? Were you just sort of not into the band, or just had other shit going on, or what?
7: Uh, probably a little bit of both of that. I uh, was, you know, uh, I was in, um, outdoor retail working at a ski shop, you know, skiing being kind of a ski bum. I know, which is not a terrible thing, but that was kind of what I was into at that point. And, and being up here in Northern California, as far as North as I am I and mean, the closest venue is going to be like Sacramento and that's, you know, 165 miles away. Mm-hmm. So I most certainly could have gone to shows. I just, for whatever reason, it, it wasn't a priority at the time. And it wasn't until I got really back into Metallica when I, uh, I played guitar for a long time. And then I, hurt, I had an uh, injury, a mountain bike injury, where I kind of fell off a bike and stabbed a stick through basically through my palm. Wow. And my, my, my pointer finger, my middle finger, and my thumb don't really have any feeling anymore. So it took me a long time to actually start playing guitar again because it was hard to hold on to a pick. I could hold on to it, but I couldn't tell like, where it was. Like it was. It's like you're holding on to something you can't feel. Mm -hmm. So I didn't play guitar for a long time and then I finally got back into playing guitar probably about like 20 years ago That kind of got me back into Metallica again And for whatever reason I was going back and like learning some of the riffs and and stuff and I because I could actually do it again Uh, But it took a long time for me to be able to do that. It was physically to actually hold a pick and play the guitar It took me a while to to actually You know to do it And then also I was kind of scared to try because I knew I was gonna suck at it at first and it was hard at first so I try. I'd use like um, some bigger picks. You know those big like tortilla shaped chip shaped ones that are textured. I use those, and that helped a little bit.
2: Ethan actually plays those.
7: I think. Yeah, the the big triangle, they're like a big tortilla chip. Yeah. So I I use those for a while, and that seemed to help. But and recently I've gotten just enough feeling back where I can play with the main pick I usually play with is one of the like the um, either the Headfield the Fang or I have the um, oh the um, Ernie Ball Prodigy. So it's like a, it's kind of like a jazz three, but a little bigger and those work for me really well. And so, I've so being able to do that has got me back into playing music and, and playing Metallica. And, you know, I've got, I've got a cage 602 purple sparkle. I've got a white um, snake bite. Uh, uh, LTD is not, not the fancy ones. and I'd love to buy, would love to buy an actual um, or a, um, you know, the $5,000 fancy one, but my, I'd probably get divorced if I did that. So,
2: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, mere mortals can't, I don't know any normal people that have the ESP stuff. It's just too expensive. Yeah. It's too r- insanely expensive.
7: Yeah. And you can buy three, you know, ESPs. And, you know, I you know if I, I've never played, an ESP so I don't know that you know if I did play one and like be like holy crap I need to have one of these but these LTDs play great and I bought them like off of Facebook or you know somebody that needs some cash I got my white snake bite for like 400 bucks from a dude that needed cash and it was set up just fine
2: yeah I saw a black one in a on the road in a shop for like 600 bucks and I almost bought it, but it's really hard to hide a big pointy guitar from your wife. <laughs> yeah. like, I have a bunch <laughs> yeah. of really cool looking like strats and tellies and stuff. and have you, you see the size those. of the case that those come in? Yeah, they're massive. It's like a V case. Those V cases are huge.
7: It is. Because I have it sitting right here. I have all my cases over here. I got my guitars on the wall, but my cases are all over here. It's like there's the little case, little case, little case. and There's <laughs> this big, giant one.
2: Well, the good news is if you buy the guitar and your wife leaves you, you can just live in the guitar case.
7: Right, I can just sleep That's kind of how they sell it. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, well, so bring us to 2017. So they're playing this benefit show. So this is an interesting first show back in 20 years. Was this just an issue of it being close, close to where you live?
7: Uh, it was that. And in the industry I work in, a lot of it is is wildfire prevention. So this benefit was for the, the fires down in the Napa, Sonoma County that happened in 2017, the, the Tubbs Fire, the Atlas Fire. You know, hundreds and hundreds of houses burned down there. Yeah. So this was the benefit for that. And the tickets, I, I was trying to remember how much they were. I, I don't think they were that much. I just got GA. So it's, it was at at t Park, which is where the Giants play. So it's probably seats, you know, 40 plus thousand people. Plus they had the, the lawn, you know, the field was available also. <clears throat> and then they had um, a section in the front of the stage. That was sectioned off and like bordered off. I think it was for just like first responders. And there was like tables in there with lights, and they had like table service and all kinds of stuff. Hmm. And it wasn't a it wasn't an in the round. It was it was just a you know stage in stage setup. We we basically decided my we had a son at the time who is he was what six at the time. So mom, we decided because my wife is totally into Dave Matthews, and there was also Dead and Company was there. So he's, she was a Deadhead, total Deadhead. And when she was younger, she's a lot younger than me. So she's a young deadhead, mm-hmm. but, um, she wanted to see dead and company. She wanted to see Dave Matthews and Jim Reynolds. And then there was the rancid and, um, there was, there was bands before that too, but we didn't get there that early. We, we made a trip out of, it. We, we basically drove down. I, don't, I don't know if you you've obviously driven, if you've ever driven the Bay area, oh, yeah. it can be a little rugged. So what we do is we drive to Vallejo and we just leave a car and then we take the ferry across, which is, you know, their ferries are jet ferries. They have a bar, the whole nine yards. So we got a room over near the, near the venue and we took the ferry across, left the car. We went to, um, uh, Hog Island Oyster Company, which is a a pretty cool restaurant. If you're into bivalves, if you're into oysters, it's, it's not a, it's, it's a Michelin star restaurant. So it's, it's an amazing place. It's one of my wife's favorite places in the world to go. Mm -hmm. So we did that. Then we went to, um, a couple other just little, bars downtown so we didn't even get to the show until i think rancid was just finishing up when we got there so we walked we walk in and then we were um the beers were super expensive we're like well we're not going to buy any but we were there were so many first responders there that we were just we bought a few beers for some first responders <clears throat> and then um I think the next act was g Easy, which is a, he's a rapper. I don't really know him or much about him. My wife does cuz she's, you know, she's a high school teacher so she knows all that stuff. Right. She, she's in tune with that group or that crowd. And it was good. It was fine. <clears throat> and then it was Tim Reynolds and uh, and uh, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds, and that was great. And she said it was, you know, she's been to several Dave Matthews shows, the actual the band, you know, so she's like, "Yeah, this is okay. I like the band better cuz of all the extra stuff you're going to get when you have the whole band." I thought it was great. I mean two guys up on a stage with that many people? Yeah, did they
2: hold their own? Were they were they entertaining?
7: I thought they were great. I really did. You know, just cuz, you know, they're both super talented and they only did their set was pretty small. I want to say they did probably 10 songs, maybe maybe, you know, plus or minus a couple. And I thought they were great, you know? And she's
2: like, eh, you know, but... Well, the, you, you won't find people bitch about set lists more than Dave Matthews people. I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find the uh, set list.
7: Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. I mean, I remember they did some of the stuff that, that they normally do with the band, but I don't, I'm not a huge... I mean, I'm I'm a fan, but I'm not a follower, so I don't know the songs that well.
2: I would imagine, too, for a show like this, I mean, I look, even looking at Metallica set, I mean, it's almost kind of a greatest hits vibe. Yeah. Because you're going to be, be getting so many yeah. people that that uh that maybe aren't they're just casuals you know
7: yeah and the the cool thing was it's such a weird you know such an eclectic crowd so you got you got the g fans i would assume there's a few of those there sure and you got the 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 deadhead fans you know that are there and they're doing that dance you know they're doing the deadhead dance when uh dead and company was on same with the dave matthews people and then you're mixed in with all the metallica folks too so it was it was it was really interesting to just to kind of watch the crowd now how they reacted to all the different songs and stuff?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Dave's set list. It's definitely Hit hit City, Satellite, e You yeah. and Me, Space Between, Gray Street. It's not the time for deep cuts. You got the first responders there, it's Benefit, you're trying to raise some money. It's not a time for deep right. cuts. No, They're, they're not going to come open with Fixer for that show.
7: <laughs> right. <laughs> you're going to do the big stuff, most who was uh,
2: Who was playing guitar for Dead & Co.? Was it John Mayer?
7: Yeah. John is playing, uh, playing the PRS, that one PRS that he plays It has all the, uh, I don't know what all the switches are, but he's got all the uh, pickup splitting stuff. And uh, and that was good. That was a fun show. My wife was totally into the dead when she was younger. She's way younger than me. She just had parents that were into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So <clears throat> so she totally dug it. And I, I thought they were great seeing, uh, um, oh, what's the guitarist? Uh, uh, Bob the, Weir bob weir and the the, the two dr- the, the two drummers yep. up there so it was pretty cool i mean it was just the whole experience and i, mean, I like all types of music so seeing but seeing something like that in person is just cool i mean how often are you going to see those people gathered together for a show like that and so it was it was pretty cool yeah it is cool and they they went on before metallica so it was dave matthews and tim reynolds then dead and company and then metallica
2: did anyone leave after dead and co or after day were there people that were there for them
7: not that I noticed, that place was packed the whole time. It was just, it was, it was packed constantly the whole time. We we just got the so we got the GA tickets. We were just sit, standing on the lawn. We were probably, you know, a hundred yards back in in the show, but the whole stadium was. Full. I don't know how many people it holds. Probably, I guess it holds in the forty thousands. So that was full. Everybody down on the on the lawn on the on the turf itself. So there's a lot of people there. It was cool. Yeah, it holds
2: forty one thousand nine hundred and fifteen people.
7: Yeah. I knew it had to be in the forties. Yeah. And it's not at t park anymore. Now it's uh i forget what it is now. Or, it's, Oracle it's, uh, park. Is, or Yeah. So they've changed it. Yeah.
2: Well, all right. Well, cool. So, so wh- how are you feeling, uh, having not seen them in 20 years? I mean, have you gotten the record hardwired? Were you excited about the material?
7: Yeah, I did have, I did have the album uh, and I've bought every metallic album and certain ones I've been more excited more about or less, but, um, yeah. And when I first played it, I was like, yeah, I like it. I like it. And, uh, and I think they, they, they did something different than what they've done in such a long time. And it's it's great how heavy it is, but still mixes in with some of the, what's what's your favorite era? You like oh, the loads? Uh, load you era, like the yeah. loads? Yeah, I, like, I like the loads. I like both both the loads. They're both great. And there's certain songs that I either like or don't like, but but I, I'll still listen to them. I'm not going to skip them. Right. But I thought that Hardwired was, was really good. And then when we got there, uh, I was like, I know what they're going to open with. I mean, they're going to do Hardwired. And she's like, how do you know? Because she doesn't. You know, she's not a Metallica fan. <laughs> she's right. like, I know, I know what they're going to play, <laughs> and as soon as "Ecstasy of Gold," came, well, they played or they played the ACDC, and as soon as I heard "Ecstasy of Gold," I'm like, here it comes, here comes the 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 drum the drum loop, and she's like, how do you know? <laughs> Well, I, I just do. <laughs>
2: it's like for one minute there, you you're a magic man on the wife of your eyes. <laughs> I know
7: I know things that my wife doesn't know. Just for one second, very 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 rare in our world. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> very rare.
2: Well, how did it sound? What's what was the vibe like?
7: Well, my wife, not being a Metallica fan, said it was the best concert she's ever seen. Wow! And the reason being, it was just it was just so tight, and and, and the cool thing was. There was no flames, there was no pyro there was no um, cubes it was none of that all it was was some some backing lights that everybody used like everybody used as far as I know so the only thing that they did special for effects wise like during one they had the like the silhouettes in the back of, of the marching soldiers in the back and some you know some strobes some you know some the shot the machine gun thing yeah but other than that, it was the same set that everyone else used.
2: I think for something like that, they have maybe different tiers or different packages they can just plug into whatever the production is. Sure. Something like that, they probably had like, you know, they run their C-Rig or something where they just plug a little bit of the production in. Yeah. But honestly, in that way, I'm kind of jealous of that show because I, I'd kind of like to see them in a way with the production stripped down like that.
7: Kind of stripped down, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I told my wife, I'm like, you know, this would be, because they are right in the middle. I think they were in Europe at the time, I want to say. I'm not positive about that, but I think they were doing their European leg of the Hardwire Tour. Yeah. So it came back to do that. The fact that they just kind of did that stripped-down show, and it was the same lights that g used and same lights and stuff that and Company used. And they did have that extra little stuff, like, with one. I think there was something else with, I know they did that with one, but that, that was about it. I mean, to be honest, as far as special, you know, something above and beyond what everybody else used. I think that was about it.
2: Definitely like a greatest hit set list for sure. Yeah,
7: yeah. Hardwired into Bells, I that was cool. Because I was like, they're going to do Hardwired and they're going to do Atlas, but they didn't do Atlas (laughs) at all. Right. (laughs) So it was kind of surprising to uh, a lot of people, I'm sure.
2: Hardwired is the only song they did from the new record. Yep. Yeah, everything else was was older.
7: Yeah. And they had a couple weird um, guitar mixes or guitars. Too, I was noticing Kirk was playing the uh, black 602, the too hot guitar. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking may- maybe because you know they're in San Francisco, basically, so their stuff is there. So they probably just grabbed some some guitars from from whatever was there that they could use so they wouldn't have to like ship stuff back from Europe or whatever. That, that's, that was my take on it. I
2: think they, what Chad has told me is that they have kind of like a, a – bl- they call it a black and a blue rig, where I think they're identical. I mean, right. they're, not, they're obviously not identical. They're two different guitars, but I think they have basically the same guitar for each rig.
7: Yeah, but I don't, I don't think Kirk plays the black 602. the, too hot. the old, the, yeah, the two high. I don't see him playing that too much, but he played it in at least four songs out of the set.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's probably because it's a Bay Area show. It's like when well, they're near HQ, they're near, you know, I'm That's sure they all have. That's all I, told, I there. told
7: my wife. I'm like, well, they can just drive over there and grab that if they need it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's 10 miles away. Right. If that.
2: <laughs> so the last time you saw them do fade to black live was either was 85 or 86 so they after bells they play fade to black any takeaways from that
7: no i don't remember <laughs> too long ago but i do remember uh, when they when they first started fade to black because I, I, he always plays the he plays that um line six yeah acoustic you know set up on this on the uh on the stand and i was like i would just tell my wife i'm like i know what song this is because she does she's just not a uh, i mean she doesn't hate metallica she's a fan but she's not a fan like me So I'm like, I know what's on that is. And as soon as he walked out to the guitar, I'm like, this is what they're gonna play. And she totally knows all those songs for sure. So she was just really impressed how how tight they were. One of the first things she told me is like when they first came out and started playing that drum track for hardwired, it was like pumping her chest because it was so loud. And she hadn't been to a concert where they, you know, if you go to Dave Matthews concert or whatever, that you don't get that that sonic thing as much. And she's like, Wow, that's crazy. It's like so loud. It's like it's making my chest go in and out. From The just from the bass note, like yeah. the, the Lars's drum, his, his that kick, that kick note.
2: That's why it's kind of a bummer if you're at a hard rock show and it's not too loud. It's just part of it, part of feeling it, it's such a big part of the ethos of being there.
7: Yeah, well, agreed. <laughs> I don't want to be able
2: to like talk to my buddy while Iron Maiden's playing, I, you know. I want to have a shout. <laughs> well, I'm sure yeah. she was stoked too because like I'm looking at the set list one, two, three. There's five out of an 11 song set, five of the songs were Black Album
7: Oh, from Black Album, yeah. No. So that's why I think it's one of the other things she liked it. And, and just the tightness of it. It was, they were just so tight and it sounded so great. And uh, it was just, it was a cool vibe. The crowd was great. Such a weird, eclectic group of people. You got the dudes that are normally doing the weird, like dead, com- dead dance. And they're just, they were all still there. At the end, they just they just they weren't doing that dance anymore, but they still stayed and watched the show. I'm surprised I mean? to
2: hear that they weren't doing the the Grateful Dead dance to Sad But True."
7: <laughs> no, they weren't. Not that I noticed.
2: What uh, what time was their did their set start? I remember me and Ethan watched it from his studio, but it's
7: pretty late. I want to say they yeah. didn't even go on until nine, maybe a little after that. Because we went out to a bar after that, we didn't get to that bar until almost midnight. Because we we took like I said, we took the ferry across, so we didn't we didn't drive at all. So everything we were went to was in that kind of um, consolidated area that was close enough to walk yeah and coming out of the coming out of that arena after it was there was just a ton of people and there's you know it was bedlam but we had a spot that was only a couple blocks away where our room was so we just went back to our room and kind of chilled for a little bit and then we went down um, to the adjoining hotel and uh, went to this there's a, a bar called Perry's which has been there since I don't know I want to say the you know the, the 1900, or early late 1800s something like that and did your son go to the gig no, we left him at home. He okay. was, uh, we had a fr- we had a friend who whose house he went and stayed at. So it was it was a mommy daddy trip. That was kind of the whole point of it. Is we just took off, went to Vallejo, parked the car. Once you get on the ferry, the ferry's got a bar. It's you know a thing. It's a big giant jet that hauls ass. Once it has to for like a half an hour, it like puts out, and then once you get out into the bay, it just hauls ass. Those things go like thirty five forty miles an hour. And it's, it's just a fun experience. It's really cool.
2: Yeah, what a cool night, man. Your wife likes uh, Dave Matthews and Dead & Co. and kind of likes Metallica. You get to see Metallica for the first time. No kid. You get to drink. You rode the ferry. Got a hotel room. That's a, that's a way to do it, dude. It was, it was an
7: awesome weekend. It really was. we awesome awesome uh, couple days. It was great.
2: So what was your favorite moment of the show? Did they, I'm guessing they didn't do an encore type thing when this kind of scenario. No, did they? they
7: just kind of they did, just played their set. They finished with Sandman, but it wasn't like a, there was no pause between because they played nothing else matters second to last, and then there was no pause. They just went straight into into Sandman, <clears throat> and it was funny because that's when they the way they use their guitars it was strange. It's like um, for Sandman, and actually what was the one I was going to say that I thought was strange. Oh, for um, for um, puppets. James played the um, the Ken Lawrence,
2: hmm. yeah, that explored, is strange.
7: Like the Wood Explorers, which he wouldn't normally, but he also played it for um, Nothing Else Matters, he also played it for Sandman. Hmm. So he had that guitar that for the last four songs. Now and Kirk changed a little bit. He played the oh, which one's one? oh? He played the White Zombie for One and Puppets, and then he switched to the to Greenie for Nothing Else Matters. Awesome. And then back to the white to white zombie for Sandman.
2: It's so wild to see him play like to be in the room with him playing that guitar. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It was cool. I guess he recently kind of came out and said it's not really worth everyone's been saying two million or maybe a little more, but I guess he came out on Dean Delray's podcast and said that was kinda of not the case. Although he may have just been mis misdirecting.
7: It's worth a lot. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't buy it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, having trouble buying that ESP Snake Bite. I'm definitely not going to be able to buy that Greeny.
7: <laughs> well, you got your um, your uh, um, Les Paul with the Bigsby on it. That's a cool guitar.
2: Yep, I do have that.
7: You got P90s in it?
2: Yeah, man, we were lucky. Gibson, uh, me and the other guitar player for the artist I played for, uh, they they gave us a couple of those. He got a '50s neck one. I got a '60s. They're the new ones. They're kind of trying to pimp out their new stuff, but. Yeah. I mean, it's so pretty cool. So the 60s cool. is
7: more of the, like a C-shape?
2: It's a thinner, yeah, it's like a tinier neck. The 50s is kind of the bigger block of wood type thing. Right. I actually have pretty small hands and pretty light touch. Uh, unlike Ethan. Ethan has massive hands and he's like played it. <laughs> you yeah. know, He holds a guitar like it's like a little toy. Uh, for me, it's like I rarely pop strings or anything. So for me, having a smaller neck is is better for me. What's the snake bite neck like? Uh,
7: it's it's uh, uh, thin, like a thin C profile. Yeah. 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 Do
2: you have it kind of like sh- sanded down on the neck the way that James does?
7: No, no, that's that's the ESPs come that way. Oh, but they the do. LTDs, L- the LTDS are painted. Yeah, the LTDS are just painted. It's just white. It's painted white. But the the ESP, if you buy the ESP version, it's it's uh, it's not finished on the neck. Same with the K, with the, with the hammets.
2: I guess they got to do something to make those ESPs justify the pri- the price jump. Yeah, because it's I mean, like they they, the, they should really just be like a thousand dollars more. They shouldn't be like three thousand
7: dollars more. I know there should be something in between. Well, you, they don't do uh, what's the one they do? That's the E two version. They don't do an E two version, which is still built in Japan, but not quite as fancy. Right. But they don't. They don't do those of the signature models that I'm aware of.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I've I've just never been able to afford it, so I never even looked into it. I when no, I used agreed. to work, well, I used to work in a guitar store like around the Saint Anger era. And we were always getting trucksters in. I just couldn't stand them. That's my least favorite signature guitar.
7: <laughs> yeah, the pre-worn where where your arm doesn't actually go.
2: But when you look at it up close, it looks so crappy. It looks so. Do they? Hor- I mean, maybe the ESPs look great. I think James's black one that says like "Got riff" on it that he does for "Now That We're Dead." I think that thing looks awesome. But yeah, again, that's probably a ESP prototype.
7: They, they do the pre-worn part. It's like it's not where his where he plays it. Isn't that weird? Dude, they
2: try to wear it out where like, the toggle switch is. I'm like, dude, you're never going to wear <laughs> the paint off where your toggle switch is, no matter how right. often you're switching pickups. This is silly. <laughs> right. But I guess it feeds into his truck trucker. I mean, you know, it's cool. Whatever.
7: What do, what do you think about the Iron Crosses? It's
2: so weird, dude, because the Black Iron Cross. The, the Gibson one is my favorite guitar of his. But for some reason, man, the white one just feels really cheesy to me. I don't yeah, really I've never know held
7: why. I've never held one or looked at one in real life. Me
2: neither. I have never. Um there's a there's a Metal Beauty podcast listener who made one for himself that looked pretty cool. It's really just a, a Les Paul custom that James put a racing stripe on and that Celtic cross thing. But right. I, I believe his is like a seventies. Well
7: that's the original one he did back in the day. He just put that, screwed that cross on there and and called it whatever. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uncle Milty <laughs> is what he calls it.
7: Yeah that's right. Yeah.
2: Are there any other <laughs> future uh, signature models that you're eyeing or looking into?
7: Uh, my favorite that I actually own is an American um, Fender Jazzmaster, the Jim Root signature.
2: Oh cool, yeah.
7: Which I really like that guitar. So it's got the it's got the big fifties neck or the fifties headstock. It's, it's all mahogany. It's not as beveled as the normal Jazzmasters are. Yeah. And it's just two EMGs with a volume. And a toggle switch. That's it.
2: Is it heavy? I mean, I'm guessing if it's a Jim Rue guitar. Yeah,
7: it's it's real heavy. Yeah. yeah.
2: Are you a big Slipknot fan?
7: <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say a big Slipknot fan. I mean, I'm a fan of of some of their music, and I even like a lot of um, some of the um, Stone Sour stuff. Um, some of my favorite songs are, are like "Through the Glass," you know, stuff like that that Corey does because his voice is so he has such a range. He can do that kind of stuff. I I love people that can do that, like sing through the glass and then sing. One of the crazy Slipknot songs. Yeah, people know, equal shit. Duality, right? duality, or, or yeah. yeah, people equal shit or something like yeah. that. I like I like people that are that diverse. You know, they can have a voice like that. He's
2: a talented guy for sure. Yeah, I'm always yeah, real impressed with is. him whenever I dip into whatever they're doing. I'm, I don't. I think I got when we talked to Jay. We became friends with Jay, and then that got me interested in the Gray chapter, which is I think Jay's first record with them. That right. I think the, recorded, right. that he recorded with them. And that got, I bought that record when we hung out with him and it's really cool. It's just, it didn't really leave me wanting to go back and like really get involved. I, you know, yeah. I, I thought it was really cool and I get why they're the band that they are. I get why kids are, really resonate with that stuff. It's really cool.
7: Sure, but I don't. I don't find myself like putting and playing it while I'm driving or or doing whatever. Maybe, you know, maybe a, maybe a couple songs.
2: What are you listening to other than Metallica these days? Anything cool?
7: Ooh, right now, um, you know, you know, what I really like is Gojira. I listen to Gojira a lot. Mm-hmm. I like Gojira. I've been doing like uh, Behemoth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, Meshuga. So a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah, I like. I just like heavy stuff. <laughs>
2: Um, the, I, I just got the new Pearl Jam record last night and uh, oh, I know,
7: I saw that you said that it, uh, I have not heard any of it
2: It's really cool, man It's really worth checking out if you like them It's pretty dark and experimental I grew,
7: I, you know I grew up in Seattle in the 80s I was just behind that particular genre I left Seattle in 1987 So just when that stuff was getting big yeah. I actually left, but I moved back down here to Northern California, but I was most certainly aware of it, and there, a lot of the venues that they played up there, I know there's a, a place called the uh, the Phoenix, which is where there's like three stages, like upstairs, downstairs, middle, and it would be like Pearl Jam, and then uh, Mud Honey in the middle, and then um, somebody else in the bottom, and you would pay like a flat fee and go in there, and you could go to see all three shows, but then you'd also get a ticket or um, access to the, the other place down the street, like the Bohemian, which was more of a uh, like a bluesy or jazzy kind of stuff. And then you could also go to the, another venue down the road, which I don't remember the name of. So you just basically got your hand stamped. You can go to the Phoenix, go to the Bohemian, go to wherever. It, but there'd be bands like uh, Pearl Jam playing there back wow. when, you know, so you have to figure that's 19, you know, I don't know when they first got big. So it would have been before that. That reminds me, there's
2: a, I'll tell a quick story. This is pretty funny. Well, to me is uh I was playing in a band with well, a guy named Griffin house. We were just playing clubs, small stuff. And we were playing a venue in Dallas that's just like what you described. It has three venues in it. A small little club, a mid-sized club, and then kind of a big 1,200, 1,500 cap room. And we were on like an eight-week tour. We were five weeks in. We hated each other. The tour wasn't going great, but it was okay. <laughs> like Some shows were sold out, and some shows were really weird. We were trying to make sense of that. But we were in Dallas, and we found out that like the pre-sales for our show were like five tickets, which is really bad, as you can imagine. <laughs> sure. And so we were all bummed out and drinking at the bar. And then someone said, oh, it's like game six of uh, the World Series and, da- and Dallas is in it. So oh, they were like, right. oh, you know, there's no one here because everyone's just watching the game. And so we were like, oh, really cool. Great. that Now we don't hate ourselves and blame ourselves for <laughs> being <Right>. failures. <laughs> so then because we were playing, they let us go to all the other venues after our sound check just to check everything out. Or be- right before our show. So I go to the midsize uh, room. the the bigger room than ours. And there's maybe like 200 people in there in a 500 cap room. And I was like, "Mm, I don't really like that there are 200 people in this room. And then we went (laughs) to the big room that night and that night Interpol was playing kind of right before they broke big. And it was completely sold out. There were like 1,500 people in there. I was like, yeah, we just didn't sell the tickets. <laughs> but thank well, you to that that kind person who tried to help us believe that it was because of a baseball game.
7: Right. Th- thank you for the scenario that it was because of the baseball game. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I had right. just hadn't gone and seen Interpol, I would have just believed that the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, strange times for everybody, and strange times yeah. for the band, and, you know, they've, they've had to cancel so much stuff because of stuff James is going through, and now with everything in the world on hold because of corona, it's hard to know when we'll be able to see them live again. I guess the next thing we all are, are looking forward to is SNM2 coming out.
7: On the video? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Totally. I think they're going to put it on, on vinyl, too.
7: Yeah, I'm hoping they're supposed to do a show, um, uh, the aftershock show in Sacramento, which I believe is in September, scheduled for September, October. Yeah. So I'm hoping they do that. So if they, and I know that was completely sold out, pretty much. Wow. Um, at this point, I don't know what's going to happen with that. You know, as far as those kind of shows, but <clears throat> but I was going to say. Um, um, I did get to meet Ethan and he, uh, he came here to Reading when he was doing the need to breathe tour. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I basically drove down to the bus, to the bus. And I'm like, Hey, where's Ethan? <laughs> nice. And, uh, he and my, my son and I went down there and I gave him a, a thing of, uh, fang picks from, from Hetfield in the little tin.
2: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. He told me about that when he met you guys, I guess he said that you weren't able to come to the show, but he's got to say hi.
7: No, my wife, my wife's a math teacher, but she was, she does this gig where she teaches, um, she basically runs or works for a textbook company and teaches new schools when they adopt this textbook how to use it and so she was out of town so it just wasn't the right time for me to to be able to to you know take off and go do a show I, I assume I could have brought him he was he was like 6 at the time or 7 at the time but um it yeah, just neither, didn't work neither out. Briefs, neither Yeah neither
2: breeds neither breeds kind of a yeah they're, they're a family rock band for sure
7: Yeah yeah and I probably should have gone, but it just—it was just—we we had some other stuff we were doing, so <laughs> it is what it is.
2: When the world opens back up for business, I'm sure we'll be coming through Calif- Northern California again on tour. It's one of my favorite places in the in the whole country—is Northern California.
7: Yeah, and I think you've played here before. I think right after I found out about the podcast, you—I um, think that Rodney played here at the Civic Auditorium in Reading.
2: Yeah, we've played Reading a lot. I I don't know. I don't know why he has that kind of traction in california i mean like we'll go to california for a couple of weeks and camp out because
7: well up here um, is, is redneck central that's right, why. <laughs> right. yeah we always we always do
2: really well in california and i mean it's it's one of my favorite places to be just because of the weather and the people so but yeah redding uh, reading sticks out to me for sure um, yeah
7: and the bummer thing is like after the big two the like the fire down sonoma and uh, napa county we had one here the the year after it just it started just um West of town, basically a trailer had like a tire malfunction and caused some sparking and caused a big giant fire and it burned, you know, hundreds, you know, several hundred houses and several hundred thousand acres, right. Just right outside of, of Rennick, to the West. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that was the bummer. We went down to the the fire benefit for the, you know, the band together show. And then a year later, <clears throat> half of our town burned down. <laughs> So yeah, that's I mean
2: that's, that's probably. I mean that's probably not going to stop. Uh, you know that seems to be ramping up. Yeah, so well,
7: well, my job is is to try for that not to happen because that's one of the things that I do. I work for a big utility and we we um, basically do vegetation management around high voltage power lines for a large um, for a large utility and that's that's uh, it's a it's a constant it's constantly changing and it's constantly um, getting more aggressive as to the work we do. So that's, that's, that's one, that's the company I work for. That's what we do.
2: Well, you're a hero, dude.
7: Yeah, not a hero. I just, we, um, we, we do what our utility tells us to, and we, it changes every day. Um, but based on the, or, you know, on the fires that have happened recently, it's, it's a constant, uh, battle. It really is.
2: Well, I mean, I'm sure the people of California are grateful for the work you're doing and, and I am too. And, and I'm grateful that, uh, you're a patron of the show and that you're, you're always so kind to us and engaging in the emails and online and. It's such a weird time in the world (laughs) for sure. So it's good to um, it's good to connect with you and be able to tell you thank you for the support and to hear your story and make new friends, man. I mean, that's kind of that's been one of the the coolest things about the podcast is just meeting people like you. And uh, it's
7: like I've I've listened to so many. It's like talking to you is like, well, you're just my bro that came over for the afternoon, and we've known each other for years. You know, but we obviously haven't. But it almost feels like that. And uh, you guys um, read a lot of my emails that I send. I I really appreciate it. It's a great show. And I I really enjoy it.
2: Well, thanks for your time, man. And we'll catch you down the line for sure. Hey, rock on, bro. Master! Master! All right. And uh, as promised at the top of the show, in between, we're going to play you uh, our first quarantine cover, which was suggested by a friend and patron of the show, Tommy Trinkeller, a dude I've hung out with in Los Angeles when I was on tour. And he requested a song by a band called Bleachers, which is Jack Antonoff's sort of side project, or a main band, or whatever, and uh, this is a song called Don't Take the Money, and I was originally just going to play it, I, I, I arranged it for myself, and then was sang it was just an electric guitar, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, I'm going to keep this, but true to fashion for me, once my family went to bed, I stayed up late, and turned it into a fully produced thing, so I hope you enjoy it, it's not a Metallica song, so just deal with it, uh, but it is a great song, it's kind of a different, different speed for you metalheads out there, um, but it's fun, and this is sort of a taste of what these covers are going to be like. Again, you can go get these at Patreon. And uh, we love you guys, and thanks for all the support. And then we'll kick it to the Metal Tales with Ethan. All right, peace. Somebody told me once Love
3: was a currency A shimmering balance act. I think I laughed at that I saw your face and hands Color and sun and then I think I understand Stay up late in my dreams I'm to blame different sides of the bed Roll your eyes, shave my head Now we're stuck in the storm We were born to ignore All i got is a chance to sing. You steal the air out of my lungs You make me feel I pray for everything we lost Buy back the secrets Forever's all I want Don't take money Slept on my own eyes Still in my parents' house Cut off my t-shirt sleeves Claim a new continent Till I saw your face and hands Covered in sun and then I think I understand Will I understand? Will we fight, stay and Dreams, I'm the blame, different sides out of bed. Roll your eyes, shake my head. Now we're stuck in the storm. We were born to ignore. All I got is the chance to, to sit in love, and you got me run away. And you steal the air out of my lungs, you make me feel it. I pray for everything we lost. Buy back the secrets. Your hand forever all I Secret, your hand forever's all I want. Don't take the money.
1: This is Ethan here and this is another metal tales and I talked to our good friend longtime friend of the show and listener gene Froman. we took it back 21 years to Woodstock 99 gene had some amazing stories from attending that festival with her friend including and this is true getting a fake tribal tattoo on her back and got so sunburned that it stayed there for like six months or something. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It's a fun talk with Jean. We love her and uh, so thankful for her time away from her family to spend talking to little old me about Woodstock 99. Enjoy.
5: Aw, little old me. Little old me. You might have heard that the Talica boys were going to play some heavy shit tonight.
1: Yo. Welcome to Military Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, and this is another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. And what we're doing during this whole bit, pandemic thing is we are actually bringing back Metal Tales and revisiting some old shows, some notable shows that a lot of our listeners and patrons have gone to, uh, getting their take on it, their, their memories as, as best they can remember, uh, even if it was a long time ago. And uh, yeah, we thought it'd be something fun to do uh, considering that Metallica is currently not on tour, nor is anybody. Uh, The entire music industry is shut down, and until that picks back up, we won't do any current Metal metal Tales for Metallica shows because there's none happening. So with that said, on the phone from New York, we have our longtime listener and great friend of the show, Gene Froman. Hey, hey Ethan. Glad to be
6: on the show.
1: Heck yeah. Glad to have you on here as always. And uh, yeah, so um, before we start talking about uh, Woodstock 99, which... uh, that's what we're going to talk about. If you mm-hmm. didn't know by the title, everybody. Gene um, was at Woodstock 99, which is an awesome, notable Metallica show. Such a great, you know, you can look that show up or rewatch on YouTube or whatever. It's, it's such a fun show. Great air of the band. Um, Jason's still in the band, obviously. But uh, yeah, before we get into that, how are things going for you up there in New York? I know that right now New York is uh, quite the uh, epicenter in the U.S. for uh, this coronavirus stuff.
6: Yeah, we're pretty popular right now, and not for the not for the right <laughs> reasons. Um, no, my my immediate family is good. Uh, my immediate colleagues are good for work at work, and um, you know we are uh, following directives from the CDC and the World Health Organization, and staying locked inside as best we can. Right. You now, making sure that we have food for you know days at a time. I'm you know even though I'm sick of home cooking. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so far, you know, it could be a lot worse. So, we are just doing our best to keep our spirits up here and yeah, you know, uh, trying to make the best of it, especially with uh, my son being home from school as well. Right? uh,
1: Are you homeschooling right now?
6: Yes, yeah.
1: How's that going? Is that a new thing for you?
6: Yeah, it's it's not my jam. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I don't claim to be any kind of teacher. Um, it's, you know, I, I certainly, for those who are in the education field, uh, I certainly commend you guys. Obviously, uh, teachers are, are amazing, especially for the fact that you can deal with that many kids at a single time. But, right. um, you know we just have one, one uh, becoming six year old and, uh, it's been interesting with him and the computer, you know, learning online, but uh, he seems to be taking to it well and then just filling the rest of the day with, you know. Legos or whatever he wants to play with.
1: Right, totally. You're like, all right, son. Uh, lesson number one: this is kill em all, and yeah, exactly. followed by ma- uh, Red Lightning. Um, yeah,
6: I'm like it's Metallica Monday, so that's what your curriculum will be. Okay? Right, it's ca- it's
1: time to do music class, music history class.
6: Exactly. Yeah, we that's- do. We do. We talk through it, um, and I mean, he likes he likes Metallica a lot. He's a fan, you know. Yeah. Like
1: fantasy
6: Fan as he can be for a six year old, or you know, going to be six soon. Um, so it's been fun.
1: That's awesome. And how far outside of New York City are you guys?
6: Uh, I live, I would say, forty minutes outside of the city. But I was born and raised in in Manhattan. Yeah. And so um, I, you know, I'm I'm not a Long Islander by origin. Sure. So I, you know, get used to the burb the burbs life. But uh, yeah, forty minutes outside the city. Uh, Ten minutes. Ten minutes to the Nassau Coliseum, which is uh our our nearest big um, indoor venue here.
1: Right. Okay. But still, even though you're 40 minutes outside, I mean, you know, obviously the the main, you know, congregation of people that are in New York are in Manhattan and the kind of the surrounding areas. um, But still, I'd imagine it's, you know, somewhat worrisome uh, with how many cases are up there and stuff like that. But it sounds like you guys are doing uh, doing your job and following direction. Unlike some people in the country that just are. It's like business as usual. And they're just let's go to the beach.
6: Yeah. Now they they shut down the boardwalks here at the beaches nearby, like Jones Beach and Long Beach. Yeah. Um. And I was, you know, my office is located in um, in Times Square in New York City, and so I stopped working there two weeks ago. Oh, good. I've been working from home ever since, or maybe more than two weeks. But either way, you know, we we, um, my my workplace is very flexible and understood the gravity of the problem, and you know, we we, you know took orders quickly to move ourselves back home for some time until this is, uh, settled a little bit better. Yeah, so we're... And,
1: and who knows when that will be?
6: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, I was talking to, I don't know, it was like Sarah Stobeck or some of the others. I was like the first thing we do when we get out of here, we're hitting the, like the hair salon, the nail salon. Like this is
1: <laughs> I need a mani Petty right away.
6: Yeah, exactly. Like, do you know how many people are going to need haircuts when they come out of this? Like,
1: Right. The... <laughs> oh, stylists are going to be so busy when this is all done.
6: Oh yeah, like for for the husbands out there that are living at homes with their wives, I mean, it's going to get pretty primal looking. I can tell you right now. I mean, I'm doing my best to take care of myself. But, yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's,
1: it's funny, it's like it you know, I'm talking to a lot of friends that uh, you know are just going stir crazy or super bored, stuff like that. I- I've been the opposite. I don't know if it was because we just went through a tornado, and I was I was mm. I barely left my street during uh, you know the, the week or week and a half since that hit. But I'm kind of used to being home and without power. But now we have power back on. Uh, I'm cool. Like I, I can just hang in my studio. And obviously, like, I'm spending time with my wife and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I mean, all I need is a couple hours a day in my studio to do something like this or write music or record something. Um, I've been making these fun videos for my Instagram account. Um, and I'm cool. Like I'm fine. You can lock me out here for a month. I'll be like, all right, man, just, just send down some rice and some beans <laughs> and some water and I'll be cool.
6: Yeah, exactly. You don't have to yeah, tell me to stay home. There are people out there that are really appreciating this, you know, indoor time and are totally cool with it. And there are other people like me. I'm a very social cat. I I need to be outside multiple times right. a day. Yeah. Um, we're making the best with what we can, and uh, we're we're all right.
1: Totally. Yeah. I'm very social as well. I mean, I, I love being with my friends and seeing people and stuff like that and going out. But uh, I I don't know. I think I I as much as I love that, I also equally like kind of alone time i think because when i'm on the road i spend so much time around people working and stuff it's like well then i get to my hotel and I'm, i get my own loan time by myself mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm cool during this like I, I just miss hanging out with my friends uh, we've been doing a lot of facetiming and uh yeah. last night we just did a friend of ours invited us onto zoom uh, if you haven't mm-hmm. downloaded that it's a good video conferencing app yeah um he did a online uh zoom trivia thing last night
8: Oh, nice! Which was
1: really fun. It was like sixteen people. It got it got a little chaotic at one point, but it was a, it was a really good time just to see a bunch of people and uh, a few people I didn't know, some people I did. But yeah, it was it was fun. Definitely helped uh, help not feel so trapped, you know.
6: Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely does. I've seen some local bars that have started to do that. You know, their trivia nights and things like that on mm-hmm. Zoom other platforms
1: yeah unfortunately the, the the main bar we would go to to do trivia uh here and there in our uh neighborhood got pretty damaged by the tornado so i don't know when they're going to reopen especially with all this <laughs> happening too so
6: yeah i also think it's good that metallica started up their their mondays with the you know opening up the vault with their live shows
1: streaming yeah app. i think that's so a great I, idea
6: yeah i'm personally hoping that maybe one of these days if this goes on long enough that they'll just throw snm2 on there and be like you know what this has just gone on long enough. Just, just throw it up on there. Just take it. Just, yeah, just, 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 just let it out.
1: You can have it. It's okay. Yeah,
6: exactly.
1: <laughs> we already have to do it in the theaters. It's fine. Straight straight to video now. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Well, let's, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of catch up with you amidst everything that's going on right now and uh, not, you know, dwell too much on it, of course, but wanted to make sure you and your family were good. Um, but let's get on to some, you know, much cheerier subjects, which is Woodstock 99. Um yeah. I know that you know you've been on this before and uh but let's do a quick brief maybe recap of kind of in a few minutes just how you originally got into metallica and uh that origin story
6: sure so i started i was one of the you know many people who came on during the load era uh i saw the video for until it sleeps and i was like well just being a female i was like wow they're hot look look at that eyeliner (laughs) I was just like, Kirk is so hot, and James and everyone, <laughs> and this music is like, I've never heard it before. And then, of course, from there, I started going back into the catalog like everyone else does, and right. I was just blown away. I was like, I've never heard anything like this before, and I just, ever since then, it was just deep dive, all in, and um, just went to any and every show that I could. Um, been to some really great um, major shows like the Y2K show, um, the Apollo, the, pol- uh, the show at Apollo, the nice. Hall, um, you know, Woodstock and, um, Rosalind ballroom back in the day went with the garage Inc tour. Um, so a lot of really great shows. I, unfortunately I was not at the 30th anniversary shows, but, right. um, I still have had, you know, pretty good run of shows that I've seen. I think I've seen just a little over 20 shows um throughout the years that's awesome it's great i think for the average fan it's you know it's a a great amount of shows but of course you know like this circle of friends that i run in it's like you know drop in the bucket
1: yeah of course yeah i mean geez we've met so many people that are past 100 shows at this point i've seen five (laughs) (laughs) i feel like a poser Um, Sometimes. No,
6: no, not at all. I mean, we, we, you know, we get to what we can get to. Right. So, you know, there was, um,
1: I would say there's probably been at least another five to 10 shows that happened in whatever city I was living in between Tennessee and California, uh, mm-hmm. that I just couldn't go to cause I was on tour myself.
6: Right. Right. But the shows you've been to, like, you probably have very strong memories of them. Like, Oh yeah like you like especially in the past few years like the you know on the recent hardwired tour like you got to live out some amazing dreams and just you know experience something that kind of makes up for all that
1: absolutely yeah it 100 It 100% did. even the very first show i saw down in australia when i was on tour down there was like you know on the world magnetic tour it was my birthday you know it was just very very memorable and uh as were all the hardwired shows all the
8: four
6: that i saw yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm still holding out hope that all within my hands will will happen in September. But anyhow, so yeah, I got into it was very, you know, um, engaged online and all the forums and all that stuff and, you know, built up like a good circle of Metallica family friends. And um, it's just been amazing ever since. Yeah, and, uh, that's kind of like, you know, I think I've met the band several times, um, either through volunteering or just happenstance or whatever. But, um, the, you know, I've had wonderful experiences with them. Of course, anytime I've met Kirk, I've been completely flustered. Really nothing good comes out of my <laughs> mouth. So it's, uh, it's, I don't know if it's like a waste of a, of a past, but
1: every time you meet um, Kirk, you have, you have the until it sleeps glasses on.
6: Yeah. Right. I, I think the last time I met him, I did the meet and greet at the Nassau Coliseum show. And I think I spent the majority of the time talking to him from the floor because I was so nervous that I dropped all of the things in my hand.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man.
6: Between that. And then I couldn't figure out like what to ask him. And I ended up asking him something about like the the environment, like global warming or something at the time as Trump had just come into office and he had put out a tweet and, I was like, you know, God damn it. If all the things I could have asked him, like, why global warming? <laughs> oh,
1: my like, gosh. Uh, what are your thoughts on climate change, Kirk? And the... ex-
6: Oh, my God. Yeah. It was something along those lines. It was so embarrassing. And, wow. Um, yeah. And the time before that, I think I met him at one of his book signings for Too Much Horror Business. And, you know, I get up to him. i like, this is a really beautiful, like, coffee table book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, what the hell? You, you,
1: remember, you remember when you did this book?
6: Yeah. Was that
1: cool? <laughs>
6: <laughs> it's just awful i was like you know what just it's it's probably best that i just never meet him again and just just go to the show have a good time You'd think you think you would had
1: that. enough practice by now in in meeting him that you know by the third or fourth time you're like oh i got this
6: oh yeah you would think so no way I know. no so, okay uh, it, you know it's like they say you shouldn't meet your heroes type of thing so i just think it's kind of like that you know I, I only met james i think maybe like i don't know if it's like once or twice but um Either way, it's just one of those things. I think it's just better left to, you know, what's going on on the stage and just really enjoying everything else that's yeah, going on.
1: Absolutely. See, I, w- I was always told, you know, not meet your heroes just because they might turn out to be a total dick, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, and and that's happened to me on a few occasions, you know, <clears throat> yeah. playing different festivals around the world and stuff. Fortunately, when I met James at an airport years ago, he was cool as hell, and that was great. And but I, I I probably was feeling like you with Kirk. I probably dropped everything in my hands, you know. (laughs) Um, But I think I think
6: I kept it pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I know. My uh, my friends were telling me like to go out to when Kirk did his wedding band, the wedding band show recently with Rob, and they're like, "Come on out, you know, get the VIP ticket, come with us." I was like, "No way, hell, man!" Like
1: (laughs) that's too small, (laughs) too small of a show.
6: Yeah, exactly. Between everything going on. And then, like, there's just no point in me meeting it. Like, it just would go, like, be a dumpster fire. Right. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, um, pretty much, I mean, my story in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I appreciate the, the quick recap for those that didn't, don't know you and stuff like that. And I know you're pretty connected in the Metallica community with people like Sarah and stuff. Um, which is a whole nother subject. I mean, the, the community of, of people that love this band that you become friends with, it's just amazing. I mean, we have lasting friendships now just because of this podcast and this band. So I'm, yeah, gr- I, I'm grateful still, for that.
6: I still have friends that I talked to since I was like, you know, 16 um, in the Metallica community. And um, I was fortunate enough at the time when the Metallica Club um, was still like, you know, in its. I wouldn't say infancy, but when it was still like relatively newish to many people, right? Um, uh, they had a volunteer program where you could just go volunteer to promote the club at all the different um, tour stops. And so I was lucky enough to um, volunteer on a lot of the East Coast stops and, you know, just made a lot of friends and connections. And it was great to just kind of like preach the Metallica gospel to folks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if there ever was a, a church that you were evangelizing, that was the one. To, <laughs> <laughs> right, I like to church. be on
1: the I like to be on the praise and worship team for the Metallica <laughs> church, please. <laughs>
6: exactly, I'll go door to door with with Metallica club pamphlets. Yeah, whatever you want.
1: Metallica tracks, anything. Exactly. Yeah, I'm in.
8: <laughs> yeah. So well, let's um it's, it's
1: let's kind of get into uh kind of how you ended up at Woodstock. I mean, obviously you live in New <laughs> York, but um when this got announced, was this something that you right away jumped on or how, how that all kind of come to play?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I was a hundred percent. And there was, I was just like uh, me and a friend at the time, just grabbed tickets and we we're like, we're going to go. And, um, we went, we, it was a, a Thursday was the pre-show and then it went to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I'm sure for those who are familiar with it, kind of know how it, an- how it ended, but, right. um, it ended in flames. Thanks. And Limp so- Biscuit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we arrived I think on the Thursday to set up camp, and um, it was held on a decommissioned air force base, which made it really hard. I think for again anyone who's read the news or for even those of you who attended, everything they said about it is true. It was a pretty brutal venue because it was an air force base. It was a lot of concrete. Ooh, yeah. Uh, for the airplanes to take off and stuff. So there was. It was boiling hot in the middle of, what was it? July.
8: Um,
6: It was in the nineties, you know, upper nineties. It was in the middle of July. There was no shade. Um, and there was, you know, everything was super, super expensive and it was, you know, the bathroom situation got out of hand. They had way more people than the actual air force base could accommodate, which made for a lot of issues. Good. um but yeah it was it was quite um the ride so
1: yeah it, it's a, it's almost uh, sounding like you're about to describe Firefest fest or the fire festival yeah,
6: well, yeah if it happened Did you yeah.
1: get a like a lettuce sandwich while you were there or?
6: I don't even remember like <laughs> eating I, I don't even know what like it was such a blur again this was like yeah. years ago um but yeah it was quite the blur and I just remember at the by the end of it feeling the most, like dirty I've ever felt in my life. Sure. Um, I think the first rest stop we got to right after we left, I was like, Ooh, this bathroom is so beautiful. <laughs> it was just like a like, gas station bathroom, but it felt so good. This is like being... a
1: Manhattan penthouse apartment.
6: Oh yeah. It was just oh was so disgusting. So anyhow, the first day was just setting up the tent, everyone getting acquainted with the lay of the land. They had three um, stages. There was an, two main stages. Um, there was the East stage and the West stage. And then you had your emerging artist stage, of course. Um, but a lot of great bands. I mean, looking back at the lineup, I mean, it was just incredible. Um, the first day, you know, not, you know, in terms of this, the pre-show days were, you know, okay, nothing crazy. But, you know, when you start to get into the main days, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, it's just pretty incredible. Like all of the artists that they were able to pull together for yeah. that week
1: Yeah, the, the lineup was pretty pretty stacked
6: Yeah, it was amazing.
1: What were some um, other uh, Artists that you were looking forward to see seeing besides metallica?
6: Um, I mean rage against the machine. Um, I actually was curious to see Megadeth live I'm glad I saw them alive. I saw them live and you know, that was it for me, but Um, you know, Dave Matthews, of course, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of looking at the list in front of me. I mean, Lip Biscuit was like hot at the time.
1: They were very hot at the time.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For me. Anyway, I mean, Jamiroquai, you know, I, I was into a lot of different music. Um, but Jamiroquai is great. Yeah. Jamiroquai was just fun, just funky, like awesome band, a lot of like, you know, European flavor,
1: Mm
6: -hmm. um, chemical brothers, you know, it's just Cheryl. oh
1: even seeing uh, rage against the machine i mean i have got i got to see them twice uh in like 96 97 and i mean to this day hands down one of the top five shows i've ever seen now mm-hmm. i now it wasn't a festival so I, I don't know if that you know made it better or worse for you but they're just one of those bands that had something so unique didn't sound like anybody um and compared to like bands like limp biscuit and stuff it's like i I almost hate that rage gets lumped into a rap rock category yeah um but i mean what an exciting band to see in the 90s for real
6: yeah and even on like the the second main stage like the west stage they have seven does um i mean god snack again at the time collective soul you know and also you had um jewel there on the third day i mean it was just um a pretty great festival um in terms of lineup and just it right. seemed like everybody was there
1: i'm gonna go to woodstock 99 and all i want to see is Rage against the machine and jewel
6: <laughs> jewel was on a pretty big like show i've seen her once before yeah. um happened to be with my dad when he was touring in japan and she, we ran into her at the hotel and they're like, Yeah, just come join the show because, again, I mean, how many Americans do you run into in Japan? That, right, yeah. Like, know you like that way. And so, yeah, for uh, sure. So hospitable, her and her crew, and puts on like a really amazing rock and show.
1: Hey, listen, I love that record. What was it called? Pieces of You?
6: Mm-hmm. I think
1: I, I I dug that record. I thought that was great.
6: Yeah, yeah. She's, she puts together some really good music. So yeah. I encourage her to to do some deep dives.
1: She's based here in Nashville now. Mm. Has been for a long time, I think
6: Oh yeah, she's great
1: Yeah, she's awesome Um, Yeah, so again, this lineup is just amazing It's it's incredible that they even were able to pull this off You know, I know they did Woodstock 94 But um, Just such heavy hitters In the music world, not even just In in the rock world, but um, Just insane And and such a bummer that the whole festival Ended literally in flames And people were like practically rioting um, yeah. but, uh, but still, I mean, Metallica put on a great set. I mean, I've got the set list pulled up here as well. And it, I mean,
8: mm-hmm. what, a. I, I mean,
1: th- not only what a great era to see them in, but like, they didn't really like, I mean, there's some stuff from like load and reload, but a lot of it's, I mean, it's just like classics and, you know,
6: mm-hmm. great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was crazy. Like on that Saturday, the way they stacked things leading up to Metallica like the energy, like once you got past, like, you know, there's Dave. Cause everyone's like, Oh, of course they want to see Dave, But you started out the day basically with like kid rock. And then it just kind of built up from there. Mm-hmm. And by the time you got to rage against the machine, I mean, shit was hitting the fan. I couldn't like, usually I, I'm a rail rider, but I could not for the, like, there was no way I was getting to the rail. Oh, whatsoever. No. It was way too dangerous um bottles were being thrown you know -hmm. uh, there was just again still no shade so you're waiting there everyone's sweating a mess you know just disgusting
1: not the best example of social distancing
6: no no definitely (laughs) not i mean but also like on the negative side there was like tons of groping going on and things like that I that I i was fine but like you just it was just out of control and so there was certainly like a level of awareness that as a as a woman I felt I especially needed to have in terms of where I was
1: absolutely and there's everything. so many pieces of shit that go to festivals that do that crap to girls and drives me crazy
6: yeah, I hate it' Cause
1: like as a as a as a musician and as a, a, a tech, you know it's like whether I'm playing or teching, it's like I'm on stage in front of those crowds, and i can you can see that stuff happening it's I hate it it's awful yeah well uh
6: thank you for for preaching that, you know, I just don't, that, er, like, I, I don't it, understand
1: the mindset for real of, a, of somebody going to a show and thinking that's okay. You know, like, Ooh, here comes a girl floating across the crowd. I'm going to grab her. That's, that's fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it, it really is.
6: That, like days of alcohol in your system and yeah. everyone's feeling. And again, by the time you got to like rage against the machine, it's just the, the, the vibe, like the feeling, the energy was just at a level 10 already totally. So by the time Metallica came on, it was was just like a half-day assault on your body and mind of music.
1: Sure, yeah. Not only the music, but the heat. By the time
6: Metallica got on, it was just like, you were just like, you know, uh, was Everything was like euphoria. It was like, Mm -hmm. wow, I'm in heaven right
1: now. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I'm sure the second Ecstasy of Gold started, it was just like, oh, we're finally here. (laughs) We've been waiting all day and, you know, we're we're beat up and tired and hot, but like, you know, one more second win just for this set.
6: Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't even, like, there was, I think there was just so much energy, no one felt like, ty- like, you were just, you know, going, like, it was just, the music was just what's keeping it going, but the set list was amazing, um, you know, I, I, for anyone who watches the video on YouTube or whatever, you know, James got a few plastic bottles thrown in just because of the audience,
8: mm-hmm.
6: but, um, but otherwise, they looked great, um, they sounded amazing, Kirk, you know, was on fire, um, There, you know, the, the look, again, was very of the era, you know, yep. the... I would say except with the exception of Kirk as always, they look the most everyday man as they have. Right. Like, just you with know, his hair and um Jason and Lars with like a you know, a basic everyday man's short haircut. It yeah, was Very very everydayish. And you know, Kirk was in the his slicked back mode with <laughs> That's right. Time, you know, with the eyeliner and everything. Yeah, so, totally. But um, they all looked great. They sounded great. I mean, hearing Bleeding Me, King Nothing was amazing. Oh, yeah, uh, totally.
1: I mean, let's kind of, I'll, 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 yeah. read, I'll read down the set list real quick and you can kind of, uh, you know, let me know some notable moments. Uh, we don't necessarily need to do what we do on, on the current shows, you know, when the set lists are, are more of a surprise on the tours. But uh, so, of course, XT of Gold coming out of the gate was So What, Master of Puppets, the short version from the Bell Tolls, Feel, King Nothing with the uh, Am I Evil Outlaw Torn Jam, which is pretty awesome. Um, Bleeding Me, True, Turn the Page, Rome, One, Fire with Fire. And then Encore, Nothing Else Matters, Seeking to Destroy, Creeping Death. Encore 2, Die, Die, My Darling, Enter Sandman. Wait for it. Encore 3, Battery.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, just, I mean, what a pummeling set. I mean, for, for that much energy that you're describing at a festival, especially after Raging Against a Machine, to come out and play something like that had to have been just insane.
6: It was, it was it was really insane and just um going down everything you know king nothing had you know it, it had been playing obviously made, making the regular tour rotation but you know they seem to be like um towards the end like jamming on it like really nicely right Bleeding me sounded amazing i hearing the you know the outlaw torn doodle in there
8: mm-hmm. like it,
6: Everyone thinking, "Oh my God, is this going to happen?" It was such a tease.
1: Yeah, for sure. Probably not the best song to play at a festival.
6: Yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: um, but a nice little teaser for all the diehards that are there.
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the set list was absolutely amazing. Um, really, couldn't ask for anything more except for one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, it uh, looks like um, during or after "Die Die My Darling," they did a, a quick fixer jam as well.
6: Mhm. Yes.
1: Again, not yeah. a great festival song.
6: <laughs> no. That's no, a one, but...
1: that's one thing a lot of maybe a lot of people that don't tour or have never been to bands and played festivals understand is that like it's not usually the the environment to play like your longest song. Like it's different if you're Dave Matthews, you're known for playing long mm-hmm. jammy mm-hmm. songs, but when you're Metallica, probably not best to play the last song off of Reload or Load. You know that it's like ten minutes long or something.
6: Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly.
1: Because those crowds at festivals are way less forgiving, way more impatient. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially when you've been sitting in the sun for twelve hours waiting to see Metallica.
6: Yeah, it's yeah. Like you
1: want to hear fight fire with fire, not fixer.
6: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, oh, yeah, it was just to even hear like some the notes. I was like, Ooh. Mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it was it was quite the trip and. It was um nice you know because it was at a festival so the set itself was just generic like right. there was in terms of the stage setup you know obviously you have pyro but um it was just nice to just have things kind of stripped down for a little bit mm-hmm. and just hear the music feel the crowd
1: yeah totally it's not like there's you know like it is now where you've got like you know the, the video cubes and drones flying around and stuff like that the big m and the inflatable a um yeah. back then it was yeah i mean with that many massive uh massive bands on on that bill you know you probably ha- they probably had to keep production to somewhat of a minimum
6: mm-hmm, yeah i have to say i was a little um i was definitely bummed after everything happened because i thought for sure they would have released well, the woodstock folks would have released like a live album of everything but they basically cut in like you know some performances from other times and mm-hmm never got that live release which was such a bummer but again it's on somewhere and audio quality is not bad
1: yeah it's still fun to watch on youtube and stuff you know i i'll find myself you know when we're doing shows like this or talking about notable things from old metallica shows it's fun to go and watch those you know because they're they're such a well-documented band for as long as they've been Mm -hmm. around especially since the black album um you can find almost any show you want of Metallica on there. Of course, you know they're going to have the, the the serious archives and that sound best and were mixed great. But uh, a show like this, it was just so. It's just so fun to watch that that era of them where they're. I mean, they're just, you know, load and reload to come out. You know, S and M, uh, Garage Inc. It was like such a great era of the band.
6: Yeah, and so after you know, the Metallica set list was just amazing. And then I think just people got like sick and tired of every, like they woke up with like the most insane, like music hangover. Mm-hmm. I think just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, again, that last day you had to, you know, you had some really good bands, but things just, people had enough of the situation in terms of the bathroom, bodies, yeah. the, the, um, the, the, the cost of water and, the living conditions even yeah, though they were,
1: it's insane uh, cause, i mean you know a, a lot of the festivals especially in europe that i've done they're so well put together um yeah. it, you, you don't see that kind of you know those kind of situations at a lot of festivals in europe and, and even the states now it's changed a lot um since the 90s but um yeah i mean they're just i don't know i think maybe festival organizers organizers have learned so much over the years that now it's like okay we can't be overcharging for water. We have to have enough bathrooms, you know. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. of course, you can't always control the weather. That's a whole different thing. But um, it just sounds so primitive to have gone to Woodstock '99.
6: <laughs> yeah, I don't even have like memor like looking back. Like I have pictures of me with like a you know Woodstock fanny pack or like some other things, but I have I I don't I didn't have any memorabilia of, like coming out right like posters, no shirt because either it was like, super expensive or I don't know, maybe it got lost in the mud or something, or I used it as toilet paper. I have no, I have
1: no. (laughs) Man, I paid a hundred bucks for this Woodstock poster, but uh, sorry, I got, there's no toilet paper left.
6: Yeah, sorry. Um,
1: That's like kind of what we're, what we're dealing with right now. I'm I'm going to start using my Metallica posters in our bathroom.
6: (laughs) Oh man. Um, So did you go,
1: did you, did you, you didn't go by yourself, right?
6: No, I went with a friend, a girlfriend of mine at the time. And so it was just her and I, we had a tent. We put um, the Metallica Ninja Star on our tent to kind of, you know, fly the Metallica flag, let people know. That's right. And um, yeah, just ran into a lot of people. They had some interesting things, you know, a lot of different, you know, kind of carnival type stuff going on with, you know, body spray painting and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So we certainly engaged in that kind of stuff and made sure we, had Metallica shirts on every day. And I was wearing like, Oh, looking back on it now, I don't know how I did it, but <laughs> I was wearing leather steel toe boots. Ooh. And oh God, I just, again, remember being so hot when I had, um, my friend and I, we decided to leave on the Sunday afternoon, right after we saw, I'm trying to think here. I don't know. It was a blur, but I think maybe we saw, you know, jewel or something. Yeah. And- we were like, you know what? We should hightail it on out of here. It's going to be pretty crazy.
1: You know, we just so, we just watched Metallica. We're beat up. But Jewel <laughs> just put us over the edge. We got to get out of here now. The pit <laughs> the pit for Jewel was insane.
6: <laughs> All right. Um, so we, yeah, we hightailed it out again, made our first stop at the rest station. We're like, oh, glory. This is amazing. <laughs> get back to the city. I turn on the TV and I see the whole festival in flames.
1: That's insane. Like, so you left before oh, that happened.
6: Yeah, and of course, this is before the advent of, like, smartphones. Sure. So, all I, I, I don't, what did I, I didn't even have a, I had, maybe I had a beeper at the time. Yes. But we, we get home, I turn on MTV, and thinking I'm just going to watch the rest of the show, and the whole thing's in flames. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I got out of there. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> and everything, it was just insane. But what ended up happening, because we were in the sun for such an extended period of time, I ended up getting second-degree burns on my back.
1: Oh, geez.
6: From being in the sun, and at the time, I had when I was there, I had I bought a giant tribal fake tattoo that I had put on my back.
1: <laughs> you wanted it, to show and, it off,
6: yeah, in typical '90s fashion. That's
1: so '90s. <laughs> and, and
6: I had like one of those fake, like labrette, um like magnet. Uh, things to put on, uh, yeah, the like
1: magnet piercing yeah. thing.
6: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It so it's so nineties.
1: And a fanny so, pack.
6: Exactly, and the fanny pack and the leather boots.
1: Oh my so, gosh, I love uh, this. <laughs> so,
6: I think uh, I think
1: you need to be that for Halloween this year.
6: I think I should. You're right. That would be amazing. I'm
1: going to be 90, um, 1999 Jean for Halloween.
6: exactly, Jean at Woodstock. Um, so I got home. And of course, my back is pounding. I think at the time I had a job at Virgin Megastore in Times Square. Yeah. Um. So putting on like any uniform T-shirt, it was just like I was in so much pain. I ended up going to the ER, and they were taking off like the, the this big ridiculous tribal tattoo that I had on my back, <laughs> and all you saw was like the white outline of the tattoo.
1: Oh, like and I'm and sorry, man. Stayed- we have to remove this tattoo.
6: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we can't remove it because now the color of your skin is like different from outside the tattoo. And then so I had it for a year etched into my back for a full year.
1: It was there for a year. Yeah.
6: Well, I guess I,
1: you couldn't go outside was... and like re tan. Cause you're well,
6: burned. Yeah, couldn't. Yeah, I was burnt, so I had to stay covered up with lotion for like the rest of the you know season or whatever. And people would stop me in the train station, be like, "Whoa, that's so cool! How'd you do that?" I'm like, "This is not on purpose." Listen,
1: it's not cool, everybody.
6: Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to do it, put throw on a fake tattoo and go sit on the sun for three days.
1: I totally remember growing up in California by the beach, and like my sisters and their friends, like putting something on their skin and then tanning oh,
6: it's like those playboy bunny. Totally. Or yeah. Playboy oh.
1: bunny was a popular one or like maybe a little dolphin or something. I don't know.
6: <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I'm sure people, the kids in college still do it today. Um,
1: they probably do. I don't know. That was yeah, well, that was a big thing in, in, at the beach in California for sure.
6: Yeah. Um, so, uh, I just, yeah, that was kind of like the memory that I was etched in and, you know, I had a few other things going going on in my, you know, that I had, uh modified during Woodstock. Yeah. Um that, you know, of course stuck with me for a while until the the raging sunburn wore off.
1: Man, what a trip that you had that tribal design on your back for a year. <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh,
8: yeah, wow I, so... of I can course,
1: I can honestly like, say <laughs> after after hearing stories like this and like watching festivals on online uh working festivals i don't know if i ever want to just go pay to go to a festival and just be like a normal person
6: see i was like i got tickets for epicenter in charlotte and i just just actually um registered for the refund the other day but i was like you know what this might be like you know i could relive my festival days and i'm gonna do this the lineup looks great yeah i'm all and then it cancels like oh dreams dash to like you know
1: well, it's one of those that. things. I mean, I, I guess, I, or if I was going to do that, if just just buy tickets to a festival, it'd have to be a festival where I knew the weather was going to be good. Like because you yeah. know we have, we have Bonnaroo here outside of Nashville,
8: mm.
1: and it's in June and it's like ninety degrees and humid as shit. And so you just stand out there in the sun or getting in your tent, which is basically an oven. Yeah. It, that doesn't sound fun as a forty-one-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> I know? have
6: to say, metal. The festival, the next festival I had attended after Woodstock was Orion, the first Orion festival in New Jersey. And it was like night and day. I was like, this festival is so well run, yeah. so well put together, so clean, like, of course, done the metallic away And it just like made me respect them even more that they took such good care of yeah. the
1: band. That's cool. See, I wish they would keep doing the Orion festival. Yeah. I, uh, I know they yeah. did two of them, but uh, and, uh, and another friend of mine went to the Detroit one. And that, I mean that's the kind of festival I could back even if it was super hot out. It's kind of like, man, this is a <laughs> festival put on by one of my favorite bands, other great artists, all that, you know, a ton of Metallica th- uh, theme things to tour through, you know, James's cars mm-hmm. and Kirk's crypt or whatever. Um like that kind of stuff sounds awesome, you know. But uh <laughs> yeah, doing Bonnaroo or one of the ones in the south here that it's just it's just miserably hot or in the Atlanta festival Shaky knees and stuff. Yeah. It just doesn't sound fun. Plus, I got to be honest, as a touring musician and, and crew guy. I have been more than spoiled at these festivals.
6: Of course. And, you know,
1: it's like I'm there to work. You mm-hmm. know, I'm there loading in at six in the morning and then to get back in the afternoon and I can go watch bands and use my pass and walk to any stage I want to and then when I'm when I've had enough, I can go back to the backstage area behind Main Stage and go get catering and an air conditioned room. It's like yeah. Th- those are the perks of working these things, you know? So the thought of, it's kind of like when my old bands used to play theme parks, when they'd have like, mm-hmm. you know, their concert series, you get treated like gold. They take you all over the, all, to all the rides over the park, up the exit line, you get spoiled. And then when you have to go to Disneyland and pay the normal price and wait in line for two hours, you're like, Oh, this sucks. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. It, it
6: happens, mm-hmm. especially for those that on steak pit, even at the festival. Sure. Yeah. On the like, I'm not going to stand with the commoners.
8: But. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> oh,
6: oh, no way! I am. I am a 20-year Metallica fan club member. Right. I will not those, you know, first-year free-loading Metallica club members now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But. Yeah, I, I. I think in general, with with a festival, you know, like Woodstock or whatever. I, again, it'd have to be location, and it depends on who's playing. For me, I think to go.
8: Yeah.
1: Um, mm-hmm you know, I don't know. I've just, for me, I've just been around the, this, this industry since I was 18 years old. So, um, I guess I get a little more picky the older I get. I'm like, eh, I don't really want to go to that one. That's too hot. I think it's too hot. Who gets
6: older, you're kind of like, Oh, you know, like I can't really headbang all night. Cause you know, my next, con- I'm going to have to go to the chiropractor the next day. And you know, you, ha- you right. do have, you th- of what you're willing to deal with. You know, you get a little bit nicer hotel room and you know, you, you, you plot out things a little bit differently. Uh, so, I mean, of course, you know, as you get older, you you know, you want certain certain luxuries or certain right, things. Right, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, now it's like, oh, Metallica's playing that festival. Like, yeah, I'd like to go, but um, can I be a side stage and have access to like a cooler full of cold water and a nice bathroom, air-conditioned bathroom? Would that be too much to ask?
6: <laughs> yeah, I think if Woodstock happened today with the same lineup and the same place, I would have definitely bought like more provisions, like I would have bought an umbrella for the sun, way more sunscreen, like I just uh, flip flops. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I would have been like well, like way more prepared. Oh, you rent an R- air
1: conditioned RV to sleep in?
6: Yeah, exactly. But of course, like you know, as a what is that, nineteen at the time? Yeah, was just like whoa, my party, <laughs> like festivals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Woo. Whole, uh, you know, of course, everyone's like uh, lit biscuit Yeah, show your tits! You know what I know. (laughs) Everyone's doing it, so so it was fun. Um, But yeah, it was again the 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 dirtiest and grossest I've ever felt. But it was certainly um, to see all those bands in that time span, and you know just the vibe and everything that was going on was. Certainly magical and I I wouldn't take it back. And I'm sure for any of the listeners that attended, you know, it was just, it's like burned and literally burned in your memory. Oh, for
1: sure. And there might've been at the time, you know, inconveniences, you know, the heat, lack of bathrooms, water prices, et cetera. But it's like, you know, like, like anything in life, like the further away you get from it, the more you appreciate it you know mm-hmm. it's like yeah. especially now you know where you know what you know 20 21 years later it's like oh my gosh i got to be at woodstock 99 to see metallica that you know has gone down in history is a very mem- memorable show for that band
6: yeah yeah for sure that's awesome
1: so, very yeah, cool oh i
6: loved it i, I want to go back <laughs> but again with with an umbrella and lots of sunscreen
1: maybe they could do the next woodstock in like san diego where it's always like 70 degrees
6: I heard that they had, I think a while ago they had tried to, uh, I, mean, I don't know if it was last year or the year before something, they tried to do Woodstock again. And
1: yep, they did. They tried to do Woodstock. Years, 50, the whole
6: thing just fell apart.
1: Yep. Yeah, 50th anniversary. And they had confirmed artists and everything like newer artists to like some artists that originally played Woodstock, like Santana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were trying to do it on the original grounds. I'm not positive about that. Yeah. Um, But then, yeah, it totally fell apart. Like, I mean, it was crazy. I, 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 I caught a glimpse of it kind of through social media yeah but yeah all of a sudden like i remember seeing it announced going wow that's pretty awesome and then all of a sudden it just like kept crumbling and crumbling <laughs>
6: yeah one investor after the other was like yeah this shit ain't happening this is this is another dumpster fire waiting to happen
1: yeah totally which is a bummer because that would have been such a special thing like a 50th anniversary of woodstock would have been awesome <laughs>
6: Yeah, I think, you know, hopefully promoters and you know, um, managers and tour organizers just, you know, are more mindful of like when they do a festival that it, it just you need to take care of the people, otherwise yeah. you're gonna end up like fire riots.
1: I mean that's I mean that's you know, obviously you got you got your bands planned and then you gotta take care of them and pay them and all that stuff, make sure their accommodations are great. But, you know, nowadays it's like especially with social media and how fast work mm-hmm. can spread, like that fire festival, how quickly that thing just went downhill and just went away. <laughs>
6: i have to say i'm so glad it didn't happen in this era because like, like you mentioned the whole social media thing mm-hmm. i mean there's all the stuff that went down there I'm like oh so glad it's like you know
1: yeah totally
6: the- yeah. I and mean, i i think i heard like um at the time the woodstock.com like the people who are running like their digital sites
8: mm-hmm. they were
6: posting all sorts of crazy pictures without people's consent oh, And I um other managers and stuff got wind of it and they forced the Woodstock camp to take it down, which was good, but yeah. they were just turning it into like, you know, it was basically like a free for all Playboy magazine.
1: Oh geez. Yeah. I yeah, mean, was... it was kind of a, uh, kind of a wild west of the internet too at that time.
6: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it was all still very new to, to, you know, just the common person. So yeah, that's a bummer that, I'm, well, I'm glad that, you know, people step managers and whoever labels, etc., stepped in to kind of put a stop to it. That's good.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Well anyhow, um happy to answer any other questions about Woodstock, but um I can't I don't know what else more I can say. I was gonna say we
1: covered we covered uh, you know, plenty of, of Woodstock Talk and uh Woodstock Talk with Gene yeah. Froman. Um uh, no I'm just I'm just very happy that uh we're, we're we're picking this series back up and uh and actually, you know, going back in time and talking about old older shows, you know, um you know the the ones we were doing on the on the current tour were great, but uh you know the set list are somewhat similar every night. There's a couple of the rotating slots. So it's fun to jump around eras and see how different the set lists are, you know, and what record they were touring on at the time. So that's why I'm excited to do these metal tales of, of the past shows.
6: Yeah, know it's been great. And I love listening to them because I'm sure like other listeners are like, Oh, I was at that show too. And I run into people now and they're like, I was at Woodstock. And yeah.
1: Was, like, really? like, <laughs> like, was that you in the with the, with the tribal <laughs> tattoo and the leather, uh, the leather shoes?
6: Yeah, exactly. That was totally me. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's always fun to, you know, look back into the vault and sort of re-engage with your, your younger self and, and there at the time and share those memories.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, maybe someone will start a Raging Against Machine podcast and I can go on and talk about the Evil Empire CD release show that I saw in California.
6: That sounds amazing.
1: It was insane. When you talked about earlier, uh, about kind of being fearful to get up close to the rail, Mm-hmm. that's how the floor was at this Rage against machine show everywhere not just at the rail like i was kind of in the middle maybe 20 yards off the rail and i was and i'm not a small person and i was fearful i was like i'm gonna get out of here and i went on this on the side to go watch the show on the that's
6: hill crazy. that's actually how i felt about the the garage Inc. roseland ballroom show it was the the crowd was insane mm-hmm. and uh i think i got like knocked out like three times Jeez. or something but like right back in i was like yes this is
1: amazing! <laughs> i think too it's a different era now too like like even for metal bands like shows aren't crazy like that anymore yeah you know and maybe it's because of social media or that you know everyone's kind of being watched in a way um but you know you go to whether it's metallica or i mean maybe slayer fans are still that way but like I mean, even going to certain, you might see a pit break out, but it's not like scary like it used to be, you know, which in one way is good in one way maybe isn't as good, but um, the excitement and that energy isn't there anymore, but um, the unfortunate acts that people do because of that energy and uh, fortunately I think are, are lessened nowadays, but.
6: Yeah, yeah. Well, also Metallica fans are, you know, for the majority of them are a little older. So uh, totally. I think we, we all want to you know, get back to work the next day with all of our limbs and, and, and yeah. vocal cords intact. So um, in that
1: line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't need the poster that bad. Let's go exactly. home. I'm tired.
6: Yeah. <laughs> I got some I'll Jeopardy just, to watch. Exactly. I'll just trade someone for <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's you know, it's a different it's a different era. But again, you know, I think um, the things that we've experienced, you know, they, they don't come around again, you know, especially with the 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 record stores being, you know, more local, there's really not many of them around anymore. Right, yeah. We don't have that, right, those, those record uh, store release shows that we used to have with mm-hmm. the big app. Um, it's just a different vibe now. So, um, again, the things that we experienced 10, 20 years ago, you know, you may not experience them ever again.
1: Yeah, exactly. And some people never did experience that and won't, won't know the joys of standing in line at Tower Records or Virgin Megastore to buy tickets to a show. right.
8: That's
1: right. Um, man, what a different time. Uh, well, Gene, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I know uh, we all have extra time right now at home, but I know you're still working from home. So again, thank you for you know, spending a little bit of time uh, chatting with me about Woodstock 99.
6: No problem. Take care and stay safe.
1: All right. Always good to talk to you.
6: Thanks. Same here. Bye. New
3: <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> World our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.